Hello, and welcome to the 34th annual Academy Academy, an award-winning podcast, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Uh, uh, I'm Patrick Remian. Welcome to the Academy. (laughs) Before I get into it, Patrick, you would think I would have that intro memorized by now. We're 40 plus episodes in, and I have no concept of any of the lines that I'm supposed to read. I have to read it very, very closely each week. Little peek behind the podcast curtain. Um, It's like uh, me with like tying ties. Like I should know this, but because like, I don't like, I only need to tie ties just enough to feel like an asshole when I don't remember. I always feel like, you know, you know, like those like scary, like rope bridges across canyons in movies and stuff. That's how I feel when I'm tying a tie. Like I'm trying to cross and I'm like, I don't know. Is this right? I don't know. I I get across and I'm like, nice job, man. You made it. (laughs) I'm like the, I'm like the, the fat guy that goes first in the beginning. And then it goes right through the the boards. Yeah. Okay. As an actual fat guy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my role in the movie. I mean, I think that basically what it would consider that exchange is we have tough lives. Oh, yeah. And we have, um, yeah, very hard. Yeah. Speaking of tough and listen to this transition, Patrick, we got a tough matchup this week. Oh, no. We've got 1999's The Insider versus uh, 1983's Scarface. Uh, two movies that I, you know, I... This might be controversial. Two very different sides of Al Pacino, I think, oh, yeah. we're looking at today. Uh, to help us out with that, we have a terrific guest, a returning champion oh, to yeah. the show. Returning champ. Uh, when, when, when they were on before, it was Holston, the upcoming Netflix series. Guess what, folks? It's out. It's out. It's out. You can check it out right now. (laughs) But we got another upcoming uh, Paramount Plus players coming soon. Also, uh, we would be remiss to say uh, one of the top ABBA Laserdisc holders across the United States. If you remember from that conversation, uh, Christina Wu, welcome back to the Academy. Having me. We are so excited to have you back. We, uh, had such a fun time in that very in-depth, maybe the most in-depth <laughs> conversation ever about Devil Wears Prada and Death Becomes Her. <laughs> and, uh, I felt know, perfectly cast for that conversation. Yeah. And I'm grateful to, to be brought back because I have a lot of opinions about these yeah. that we're about to talk about. Oh, well, I'm we're excited. Uh, you know, we it's <laughs> definitely one of the reasons like some of our guests, we can like kind of guess. <laughs> and some we can't and we like the ones we can't necessarily because it puts us on the edge of our seats too it's like <laughs> so we're excited to get into this but uh before we dive in you know we gotta know you know we know your street story you can go mm-hmm. back and take a listen to that episode but uh, what's your alto biography uh relationship history likes dislikes of al pacino i feel like similarly to meryl i feel like i always knew who Al Pacino was way before I'd seen him in anything. Um, And I don't really know how I knew about, you know what I mean? But he was always just like around. Um, I'm looking at his IMDb and as much as I would want to say The Godfather is my first 
exposure to Al, I actually do think, I think it is devil's advocate <laughs> because of uh, Keanu. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one of those movies that's like always on like T- TNT or like TBS, you know, like it's just, it's, they know drama. So they yeah. keep it on. Um, yeah. And I think that like, even then I felt like I knew, even though I didn't know anything about him, whatever his performance was in that movie, I was like, yes, that is peak Al Pacino. <laughs> I don't, like, you know what I mean? Like as children, I think it was just like, we just like grew up with like his persona. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an element like Meryl Streep has this like <sighs> regal, otherworldly kind of floats above it all kind yeah. of quality. And Al Pacino has this like, high octane probably going to get yelled at by like a figure of authority kind of maximalism uh, maximalism to his work yeah Yeah. like he's like if Meryl Streep is like the epitome of like controlled precision Al is like we're living a little bit more on the edge yeah Yeah. 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 very much like Meryl is lady uh Al Pacino's tramp like uh like you know Meryl's Jasmine and the the uh the pasta is good cinema yeah but I will say when I did see Godfather and Godfather part two which I actually I think I did fully just like see in college like in film school um I was taken aback at how attractive I found him because Mm -hmm. current Al who is like very orange and like lots of pointy brown spikes uh it's a very different look that he's (laughs) Uh, yeah. I guess eased himself into. I don't know what. I guess when you just get older, you just like really don't care anymore. And like, this is him just like not giving a fuck of like, I love tanning and this is what my hair does. He's, I think he's a very like comfortable guy. Like, I yeah. think he, like, he seems to wear comfortable clothes. He seems to like <laughs> letting his hair go in places. Out and down. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I. Yeah, but I we you know you're not the first to bring up the fact that uh, early 1970s Al Pacino was a bit of a hunk. Oh yeah, comparatively and it's like confusing because he's so angry and like he's like he's such a live wire. Like he definitely was like he would have been like a horrible boyfriend, but like but his face, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's very it's conflicting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's rarely played um in especially those early ones. He was not exactly the best partner to anyone. No, he, no. he was with in any of those yeah, films. Yeah, even like Serpico, it's like, eh, you're like a better partner to your little mouse than. <laughs> yeah, Serpico yeah. is great with his pets, but well, he yeah, just he doesn't. Has, he has the dog, right? And yeah. Serpico, oh, yeah. yeah. That dog, really cute mouse, dog. Oh, it's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful dog. I mean, dog at the tournament. I, I, uh, you know, Patrick, you did bring up the sad fate of the dog in Panic in Needle Park. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah that was, <laughs> but was the, that like our loser of the week or something? What happened? <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, Panic in Needle Park, he's a heroin addict, he and his girlfriend. And um, about three-fourths of the way through the movie, they go on this inexplicable trip to, like, Long Island or something like that on the ferry and to buy a puppy. And you're, you know, as a viewer, we've we've all watched movies. You're doing it right now. It's like, Oh no! Uh, this, this, not gonna make it. This, yeah, the question is, does it make it even past getting on the ferry? Oh, and, <laughs> and it was such a cute little dog, but it's like the most. It's boy, it's like talk about like screenwriting manipulation, though. You're yeah. Like, yeah. The second they introduce that dog, and you've seen movies before, you're like, 
oh, these people are terribly irresponsible. Yeah. This is not going to go well at all. Yeah. Uh, also, like, the way that dog, like, the dog just, like, jumps off the, like, it's so crazy. Like, no dog would do this. Well, I know. I think that they would. Dogs. Uh, dogs, though, when they get spooked, they get spooked and weird That's things true, happen. I guess. I guess. But on the flip side, Serpico is a wonderful dog owner, a very responsible dog <laughs> <Yeah>. owner. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, like we'll give him big credit. Shaggy dog, it's great. Boy, I, I like that part where you know. I know we talked about Serpico last week. I know we talked about this part last week. But when those two hippies are selling the puppies in the box and they've got like six of them, I mean, <laughs> Serpico takes his time to pick one. It's like, how can you pick Serpico? They're all so cute. I'm buying all six of them <laughs> if I'm in that situation. <laughs> Mr. Popper's penguins. I know. I, I well, then I would not be stopping corruption in the New York Police Department. I'd be yeah, trying to care six huge fucking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I hate these fucking dogs. I know. Like the 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 com- the commission's like Serpico. Are you going to testify? No, I got shit all over my tiny apartment. <laughs> got to feed. I got to get yeah. like five full chickens to feed these dogs. Yeah. And they're all on different schedules. It's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it's just a nightmare. But I mean, they're beautiful, though. And oh, he's yeah. a good humanitarian dogs. and a good person for keeping <laughs> these dogs going. I just, yeah. I hope Serpico can someday buy some property that would be appropriate to having that yeah. level of pets. Maybe like, you know? yeah, maybe he has like a nice villa in Switzerland or wherever. Uh, Greenwich, Greenwich Village apartment living is not conducive to six Very huge cramped. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Even dogs. in the 1970s rent. I mean, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, he's a police officer and he doesn't take bribes. So how right. is he supposed to pay well, for all of He's not going to be living anywhere swank anytime soon. Yeah, I know. He doesn't have like that <laughs> bachelor pad apartment like one of those corrupt cops in the yeah. movie did with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's just trying to get by him. And his and frankly, his costume and and look uh, budget is through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He has to pay for all of his crazy outfits. I know he he keeps he keeps bringing receipts to his the chief. He's like, I paid sixty dollars for this, and he's like, Can I get reimbursed? It's like, Serpico, you're trying to bring us down. We're not reimbursing you for another weird hat. <laughs> Looks like I'm gonna have to dress up as a rabbi for Christmas or for oh, for Christmas for Halloween yet again. What a strange choice. I'm dressed up as a rabbi for Christmas. Yeah. Serpico's Zip- <laughs> wild. He celebrates Halloween on Christmas. He's a madman. Oh, that's a, such a Serpico move. A classic Serpico. Classic Serpico. <laughs> does whatever he wants. You know, on Arbor Day, that to him, that's President's Day. I can just picture we see one download from Switzerland and Serpico himself has listened to this episode. He's just shaking his head like, these guys would fold and take the money so fast yeah. if they were police officers. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if Serpico knows how to work like, you know, uh, Apple Music. Yeah, you're right. Serpico is absolutely like listening. Or he's like li- Stitcher, you know. He's listening to like his phonographs on his yeah. like pump, hand pump record player. Yeah, oh God, yeah. He's like Robert Crumb or something. Like, I only either that, that or he's listening to like some pirate radio station, you know. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could be. In, I could see him being in a ham radio. If 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 well, no, we know Serpico likes opera. That, that's that's made very clear. I was gonna say like, on what what Serpico is listening to now. If his tastes have changed, maybe he's like a Billy Ellish fan or something. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I love uh, Billy Ellish. Oh uh, man, that's old Serpico. But we. Not talking Serpico this week, although Serpico seems to be heavy on the minds. Uh, we're talking about the insider. We're talking about Scarface. Uh, 
two different sides of Al Pacino. We're going to be talking the insider first. Uh, let me give the let me run through these uh, statistics here. Released in 1999, uh, directed by Michael Mann, written by Eric Roth and Michael Mann, based upon the um, article "The Man Who Knew Too Much" by Marie Brenner, co-starring Russell Crowe, Christopher Plummer, Diane Venora, Philip Baker Hall, Lindsay Krauss, Debbie Mazar, and I mean, we could list off this movie's got a crap ton of great actors in it. So uh, we'll get to we'll probably discuss some of their some of the other folks in the film's work momentarily uh, budgeted at 68 million. It made one hundred point two million at the box office. That's so crazy. That is something that would not happen. Today. And it was considered a disappointment. They they were they were really surprised. They thought that they were going to have an all the president's men level smash with it. Mm. And um 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, intelligent, compelling, and packed with strong performances. The Insider is a potent corporate thriller. The film was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Russell Crowe, Best Director, Michael Mann, and Best Picture. It won none of them. I was going to say, what was, it, what, did, what was the big movie that year? American Beauty was the oh. film that swept everything that year. Yeah. 99 is a pretty, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of really good movies that came out in 99, but American Beauty really caught everyone's yeah. attention that year. Um, Christina, uh, I believe you had mentioned, but um, remind me, this was your first time seeing The Insider? Now that I think about it, when I was rewatching, I was like, oh no, I've definitely seen this before. And the thing that made me remember that was that every time I see a Michael Mann movie, I like forget that his whole vibe is like, mm, but what if a panic attack was a movie? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the vibe, that's the Michael Mann vibe. And I, it's funny cause I think I might've actually seen it around Oscar time, 1999. So very different age, very different time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sh- I mean I did I barely remembered anything so watching it again now it did feel like the first time and I uh, this movie is filled with choices uh that I <laughs> I don't even know if Michael Mann is like aware of the effect of his choices because I I don't know I feel like both the insider and uh, Scarface and you know I can save this conversation for later if it makes more sense but like it feels like it's camp for straight men who like don't know what camp is you know what I mean like there's so much drama and like such um I don't know like really abs- like a lot of absurdity and a lot of just like let's take it to to 11 we're just gonna go there and I was just really kind of delighted but also like confused <laughs> that like this was the vibe of that movie <laughs> yeah. it's interesting oh go ahead patrick yeah, no, so i was just saying like i definitely like think uh there is like something to be said about like yeah it takes a very dry michael mann is very good at taking a very dry subject and just like making it as spicy as it can be you know what i mean like yeah there's like this definitely like this like level like it's it seems like the movie this movie shouldn't be as intense as it feels and I feel like there were times when uh, I almost, it's weird because uh, Russell Crowe's character is like technically the main character. Like that's what it feels like. 
but I, I wanted to know more about him. And I also wanted to spend more time with Al because like, that's what this podcast was about. Mm -hmm. It was funny to me to see Al sort of take, I mean, not a backseat. They were co-stars, but like, it does feel like he's more supporting than starring in this movie. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you as a writer, because I'm really fascinated with um, the structure of the insider. And I think, I actually think it really works, but it's pretty unusual. This idea of like, the first hour of the movie is essentially this thriller with Russell Crowe going against these shadowy corporate cigarette people. Right. And then the second half of the movie, though, is essentially this boardroom drama about the integrity of the news with Al Pacino <laughs> now as the lead. And I actually think it, it, it's kind of shocking how I think the transition really works. Like, and it's pretty, it's not like... I think it could have been for, in lesser hands, a little more abrupt of a trend move to mm-hmm. changing the story essentially. Cause like, I remember when I was watching it, like we talked about it the last time around, I love the, what that smirk off your face, the Bruce McGill screaming uh, about, <laughs> in the, I think that's awesome. He burst an intestine while he was doing that scene. I mean, that's awesome. high camp. Like that, the accents and the screaming and the sweating. I was like, this is, I, yeah, I, it's interesting. Like, and I want to like, I want to talk about this more because I think mm-hmm. you've brought up something really interesting. Because, like, the second you said that, I was like, "Yo, I 100% agree yeah. on Scarface." On Scarface, but I was like, and I started going through my head though on Insider because Insider feels a little bit more like, at least when I first started thinking. But when you first said it, and I had my like first gut instinct, but it's interesting the idea of what is camp to like straight dudes yeah and like what they get off on and it is you're absolutely right it is sweaty dudes with an opinion like screaming at it screaming and also just like the like moody saxophone the like the opera score like Mm -hmm. there are so many things pointing in this movie of like feel everything Mm -hmm. also i and i think this was good casting but like any scene where honestly two people were talking together, I was like, are they going to kiss now? Like there's <laughs> so much chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like I, I found myself on the edge of my seat for sort of for not the expressed reasons of the <laughs> movie of like, he's being stalked or like he's being harassed. It's like, but will they kiss now? Like, I don't know. It, it, it's, I think Michael and I Mann. Feel like everyone oh. was like kind of almost in a different movie. Like the woman who plays uh, Russell Crowe's wife, oh, yeah. iconically campy in this movie. Like she's like a '90s like Blanche Dubois, basically. It's really interesting because she's Al Pacino's wife in Heat. Oh my god! As I well, think- and okay. um, yeah, and she's definitely doing a very different performance. And then what she does is like her like yeah. modernist LA woman in Heat versus yeah, like. I'm from Virginia. How about some sweet tea kind of vibe that's happening? (laughs) Well, so I know her as Juliet's mom in Romeo plus Juliet. Oh, okay. Baz Luhrmann's. And she, she gives a performance in that movie too. And, And it actually kind of reminded me of that because it was so sort of like boozy and over the top and like, I don't know. I can't do the accent, but the, the, the I know you're talking about like the 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 I say uh, yeah in this movie and then in Romeo and Juliet she plays sort of just like a 
like a crazed mother of a teenager, but she, it's the same energy. And it almost felt like, again, like she was in a different movie. I don't know. There's just so much about it that like, also like that crazy, horrible day for night scene where like Al Pacino's like in the sea talking on the phone. Which they, like- <laughs> which they flew to like the Bahamas to do, which is awesome. Like such a night, like you're talk about something that doesn't happen anymore, which uh. I wish did like Michael Mann got them to take an entire crew and Al Pacino to the Bahamas for this basically one shot. I know that never happens. Fucking it's awesome. Love it. Incredible. I was going to say like, uh, uh, does like, does that like a Michael Mann? Cause like I, I saw like Manhunter a while back and like, there's also like all those scenes on the beat. Like does Michael well, Mann. Like, the color. Okay. Here we go with some Michael Mann stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> the color blue symbolizes freedom and loved him. Oh, wow. So, I love it. Yes, it occurs in Manhunter. He goes to the beach and it's a twilight blue. Same with the freedom of the beach and the insider. But in particular, Robert De Niro's house in heat. When he gets home to his empty house, he's got the huge window view of the ocean. And we talked about how we wondered how he could afford it when he's laying so low. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's beautiful. <laughs> so, But yet he's looking out at the sea. It's the same thing in Miami Vice where Crockett uh colin farrell and gong lee i'm forgetting her name in the film but i like her a lot in the film but i forget her character name uh they do that extended scene where they drive out in the go fast boats to um cuba and it's like this almost like transformative like dream of a like a possibility of a romantic world but the big thing for michael mann is that he eroticizes i'm going to use that word work and people who do jobs well and that gets back to i think what you were saying about making out christina because it's literally like if someone like he thinks like al pacino's character lowell bergman is awesome like michael mann clearly yeah. thinks he's yeah, totally really. like the he's his he's like this guy's rad he does everything by the book he's really like professional like he loved michael mann loves the word professional and I like mean, that opening scene where the, he's like talking to like the hezbollah guy i'm like what a what a way to open a movie yeah, I know. Without nothing oh. having to do with this crazy and they flew to the middle east to shoot it no really yeah oh, god it's oh, awesome man. God bless him. Yeah, even like a collateral, there's like the postcard too. I did, I love that yeah. like Michael Mann has. Like, well, the postcard and he in Thief too. Oh, um, James Conn has one too that he's looking at. Like, um, okay, yeah, it's his entire thing. It's like the idea of the beach and like this tropical world with like your like your lady friend, maybe some kids, okay. is the like the epitome for him. New new sense. rule: every director needs to have like a color. And oh, has to yeah. symbolize it. Like every, I think every director should have like a color that symbolizes. That slaps. I love that. I love like that he has. I, mean, I don't even know if it's like, it's probably conscious. Everything he does is conscious, I think. But, um, yeah. but I think he, um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely like, he's got these tropes that if yeah. you watch his movies a lot, he really yeah, has. Yeah, it's very operatic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to answer your like original question, oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like the thing that does tie obviously Al and Russell Crowe's characters together are like doing what they think is right and like Mm -hmm. integrity. Yeah. So like, cause I agree. I kind of feel like in a different world, like you could have just had Al Pacino's storyline be one film and Russell Crowe's storyline be like a totally separate film. Um, But together, I don't know. I also just think that like, to me, it was the it was very clear what Al cared about. 
Mm-hmm. It was like the truth. It was like the news and like reporting, like, you know, what actually happened. Whereas with Russell Crowe, like they, we spent so much time with his family and for him to like also, I mean, he kept saying that he like had the, them in mind and obviously cared about them and was like worried about their safety, but we never actually like see his like decision-making and, and like feel, I don't know, like it's, it's like he's doing what he thinks is right and he also cares about his family, but he also like is fully putting them in danger and like also neglecting them. So like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just like the nature well, of like it- what it means to be like a man in the 90s, but like. I think uh, you you're hitting on something that's a little more behind the scenesy with yeah. this is that they had complete and 100% access to the real Lowell Bergman. He's a friend of Michael oh. Mann and they met Jeffrey Wigand once. And, and, Eric, and Eric Roth like, is, found yeah, him to be an unpleasant that? person when he met him. And I think that the basically I think the moving the family in is an attempt to build sympathy for a character yes. that the screenwriter like, oh, was having the trouble, trouble right. getting yeah. sim- like finding personal sympathy for. But even then the way that, I mean, and like, perhaps this is what his life was like, but like the fact that the wife was just like, you know, I hate those scenes are like, what are we going to do now? You left your job. It's like, you also could get a job. You know what I mean? Like it just like yeah. paints like, the wife of it all, I was like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah, it is like a weird, it's like a poor, um, it does kind of paint that character kind of in a negative light. Cause it, it, yeah, cause it seems like they would be, I don't know. Yeah, you'd think they'd be more supportive of Wigan's character considering what he's doing. And But, but it's I think also uh, like, to go with what Christina was saying, though, it's like, it's kind of hard to tell why Wigand is doing it. So oh, yeah. unless he explicitly says to his wife, like even even if they're close and they have kids and they're a family, she's still going to be confused if he's like clamming up and not really being oh, totally. upfront. Because right. I don't like. Well, even the first opening is... scene, even the opening scene of the movie with him, the Russell Crowe's first first scene in the movie is him just leaving the job. Yeah, like you don't know if he's quit. You don't know if he's been fired. He doesn't even interact with all the other like the chemists. So it's like you don't know what he does so the fact that we're just i guess that totally makes sense now that the fact that everything we know about him we're told and we don't as as opposed to just like seeing it yeah that makes sense because if they didn't have access to him or like he was a unpleasant person to work with i guess and you could see like later on when pacino's trying to save the story like going to the wall street journal guy he's racing around town and everything like that Mm -hmm. you totally see like every move that bergman's doing to try and like basically save the day and like and rub it in all those suits faces too. Those, those people who don't appreciate the damn news for what it's supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think plumber, incredible. And it's interesting too. I, I did read, I actually um, during quarantine saw a W I went to a WGA zoom that Eric Roth was doing. Cause oh. I'm a, I'm a big Eric Roth fan. I like, mm. I like a lot of the movies that he's written and, you know, he was talking about that, um, Russell Crowe, I know who I think, and I want to talk about Russell Crowe in a little bit. I think he's really, really good in the film. Um, but Russell was really struggling to try and find Wygand. Hmm. And I guess he and Mann had like these just knockdown, drag out screaming matches to the point where Mann had to fly Eric Roth in to set to be kind of their go between to try and uh, help Russell Crowe out in kind of like why is basically i think what you're getting at christine is is like why is wygand 
doing like making making him making a lot of his choices which yeah. the real guy did make but it's like because he's a unique guy it sounds like kind of a brusque difficult i mean like in a sense not a great co-worker <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <a jerk. laughs> I, I don't know if like a jerk just kind of like not friendly yeah or like or, yeah, or like he doesn't like his like uh his social skills aren't fully he's uh, a smart guy he's one of those yeah. guys he's like so in their head like a real brainy guy maybe that he just isn't socially but i didn't even get that i i feel like it, to me setting up his character would have been as easy as backing up one scene before the first scene we see him in right and like seeing a disagreement between him and the suits and like a finding you know what i mean like and then see him fired so that we at least understand the propulsion or like well just one example of his integrity before he's fired yes yeah i see what you're saying although although there is something nice about i think like the movie doing this thing where like you slowly kind of realize oh this whistleblower is an asshole like which makes al pacino's job tougher and him more heroic on yeah. the other side well, it's like oh yeah. the, the guy i'm trying to do this for because of the integrity of the, of the news yeah is kind of a difficult guy he's, he's not like yeah. yeah he's not like a saint himself yeah. like yeah i mean when all that stuff comes out with the report about all of wygan's like misdeeds mm-hmm. are dropped in al pacino's like genuinely pissed at him it's like come on man like what are we trying to do here i'm try. i'm putting everything on the line trying to give you a hand man and you gotta like meet me in the middle here a little bit yeah i will say oh you go first no 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 go ahead Uh, i was gonna say it's really nice seeing uh, al pacino i feel like this is like the most competent with the exception, nah, I think he's even more competent than this than The Godfather. Like, I think, like, he, this is, like, the most, like, it's cool seeing him play a character that's, like, as much as I love him playing people that are messed up and, like, you know, uh, self-destructive, and he is a little self-destructive to a certain degree, but it's, it's nice to see his, like, he has such a range, it seems like, that he can play a character like this, this engaging. Like, okay. it's this, because it seems like on paper, this would be a difficult character, like, man who's always right and very competent. That seems like, <laughs> that's like a hard character on paper to perform. But, like, uh, and and I will say, like, the first hour of the movie, I, 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 I was kind of more into what was happening with Crow, because this character's a little meatier. But once you get into that, like, uh, that conference room with Stephen Tobolowsky and Gina Gershon, as the, the, uh, are, the, the are we gonna casting. run it no you know yeah oh it's so good it's yeah the so... casting is every single person in the cbs news department is Except amazing for, i think debbie mazar really got short shrift a she's an iconic new york actress and the fact that she barely says three words in this movie is so insulting and also they really like frumped her up in a way that i was just like you clearly <laughs> don't know who this woman is like she is fabulous and like why are you making her wear flannel and giving her brown hair this is crazy she is a good guy though at the very yes. least uh, you know she's 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 very competent at her job but too. did you guys feel like i felt like there was one scene in particular especially when they were like in the beginning of the movie she was in it it was like uh, Pacino, her, Wallace, and like a few other news people. Mm-hmm. 
they kept cutting to her for reactions, but she never said anything. And I'm like, did they cut her lines for time? Like, what is happening here? Like, she is a great, a great actress. Yeah. And she, I mean, she is yeah. very, like, you know her voice when you hear it. Like, so the fact that we like barely hear her, I was just like really distracted and confused by. Yeah, it may have been an editing thing yeah. that she got the she got the unfortunate end of. I'm not. Um... Hey, hey, uh, man, release the Mazar cut. <laughs> uh, would love that. <laughs> yeah. Come on, everyone. Hashtag... To, to Patrick's point, though, about like this perhaps being like a tough role to play. Um, I actually thought it was really interesting that. Pacino felt really, to me, restrained in this movie as compared to, like, everyone else in the movie who was doing, like, Pacino maximalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, see, that's what I loved it, because when Pacino finally, like, uncorks, yeah, like, whoa! It was a reminder of, like, Godfather era Pacino in which mm-hmm. he holds back, holds, he, like, holds back way more. There's, like, a lot and, of simmering under the surface. Yeah, and yeah. so when he yells, because he's, like, the best in the damn business at yelling when he does do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like saving it is like a, you savor it a little bit more when, yeah. and it means a little bit more. I mean, like, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I love devil's advocate. I love heat. Oh, he, he's on, he's on a 10 in pretty much all the way through those movies. And yeah, Patrick, those movies are wacky <laughs> to your point though. I think he's incredibly competent at his job in heat. Oh, that's true. But then, the, but then he's but like his competent. private life is terrible. Yeah, that's the thing. That, what I love about this movie is like it's like the first movie we've watched where it's like, oh, you can be competent and have a semi-normal. Not that like his life, because I think he's like had two marriages or something. But he, see, he and his wife seem to be a very complimentary pair that kind yeah. of understand understand their worlds and their jobs, and they like. They're professionals. Very this Michael Mann. This is the only thing. movie that's ever given me hope of like, oh, you can like be like good at your job and function as a human being. Like yeah. both, both, both of these things can simultaneously exist. Well, it's interesting because that usually doesn't happen in Michael Mann films. No. The entire idea is that like, I mean, my, you know, my favorite is Miami Vice because like Crockett is so desperate and Colin Farrell's performance is so soulful because you can see in his face how badly he wants to make a connection with like another human being and stuff like that (laughs) but he's in this like terrible job that he's really really good at of being this like high level uh, undercover police officer and he has this brief moment with Gong Li and it's not brief it takes like 20 minutes of screen time which is pretty (laughs) which is wild it's awesome but um like she has to go away and like the final shot of the movie is literally him walking back into work wow it's it's like okay crockett's just kind of condemned to being to this one you know he he saw this brief light but it's the world isn't fair enough to allow him freedom this makes me want to see the movie again because i definitely i saw it in theaters and i didn't take away anything like that (laughs) from it I will revisit it. Yeah, I, I, I admittedly, I, I am one of those. Like, I'm trying to hold back. I tried to hold. I've tried to hold back. And each time we've discussed Michael Mann of being my like, I am a. I've watched all of his movies many times, with the exception. Sorry, whoreheads. I've not, never seen The Keep, but um, but yeah, so I, wait, I, I have a question I'm just a big fan because I feel like every movie that I have seen of his is so over the top so weirdly like camp for straight guys 
do you feel like when you watch his movies that it's like it's um articulating a like expression of like masculinity that maybe like you don't feel like you can or like have no occasion to because I, I everything is just so big and so crazy and so um dramatic in a way that like I think it's funny like you know a lot of movies that typically women like are just like we they are just like about feelings and like relationships and like let's just talk about our feelings and our emotions but for like almost it feels like Michael Mann movies are like it's like the sports of movies you know like sports Mm -hmm. is like the only uh socially acceptable channel through which men can like have emotions (laughs) yeah well I think I think (laughs) it feels very like similar to me in that way yeah I agree I think it's 100% because I think it's um we've brought this up a little bit on the show before. Like I had this conversation with a therapist once who said like, by the time they're 13 men are down to like four facial expressions and four emotions. <laughs> but that and that's, also, that's like society's fault. Yeah, too. That's like, exactly. No, that's we can train the next generation. To exactly. Like not oh, yeah. That way. So, but it doesn't mean like the men don't necessarily know what to do with it, sure. but everyone, regardless of gender, wants some level of emotional catharsis or some level of emotional mm-hmm. release. And like, I'll, I freely, I cry at the end of heat, like <laughs> straight up cry at the end of heat. I think it's like, and you're right because like everyone, I think everyone wants like some level of like over the top, like, like the biggest of emotions. And like, basically I mean, the end of heat is these two guys who have found each other essentially. And you talked about making out, they are truly soulmates. They both have girlfriends or wives throughout the film. It doesn't matter. They have found the two people that they are, the, the other human being on the planet that they are most compatible with. Oh, man. But because it's like a dude movie, they have to shoot each other. Um, yeah. And yeah. so when Al Pacino takes Robert De Niro's hand at the end of it as Robert De Niro is dying and Al Pacino looks off into the distance it's and the Moby song is like crescendoing in the background and they're at the LAX and the lights are flying past them. Yeah. I am just like, this is everything I've ever wanted to see in my entire life. <laughs> and, wow, I need to see heat again too. Jesus. But I don't, you know, I think that that's like the beauty of movies or TV or music sure. or whatever. It's, it is all to the eye of the beholder. That's why you try to, I try not to be like, if someone doesn't have that reaction to heat, doesn't, I'm not bothered by it or anything like yeah. that because I'm just like that's just how I feel and I'm happy yeah. that I feel that way because it's it feels good. I want. I mean, I'm sure like way. we all like you know we've joked Patrick doesn't cry at movies. I don't. I'm I'm and... a non-crier. I'm a never not at cry. all. I've only I only cry like once a year. It's what? terrible. It's like I don't cry. It's, it's nothing. I love do- crying. Art doesn't make me cry. I wish. I um teared up at the end of the Insider. I just want to full disclosure really when they when wygans when when the wygans footage got actually played and all the people were like stopping at the airport and the bars and stuff (laughs) like that to watch it i was like yes you did it (laughs) (laughs) i was so i was so stoked like i was just like they work so fucking hard they sacrifice so much for this (laughs) (laughs) these cigarette guys really needed like be taken down a notch. <laughs> they do indeed. And fuck sixty minutes. <laughs> you know? yeah. Fuck cigarettes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like so, I was just like, but I, I agree. Like, I think it is like it's good. I don't know. If, like, it's like everyone. Maybe the lesson learned is everyone deserves some camp. 
in their lives and it's just choose your own adventure on what camp you decide is the one that really like (laughs) makes you sweat makes you cry (laughs) and like you know (laughs) makes you want to look for a hug for whoever's nearby (laughs) like it's like but which is great i mean that's why we all want to be involved in creating things is to like yeah put that out there in a way like that's what i'm after like when I, every time I try and write, it's like, I want to like, I want to watch something that would make me feel insane Oh yeah, in a good way. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, yeah. absolutely. Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think one of the top five best pleasures in life is crying in a movie theater. You know? Oh yeah. So I, I, mean, I get it. And you remember it so well, like, oh, unforgettable first date had to go see Toy Story three. I'd not <gasps> even seen the other ones. What? I, not, I haven't seen the second one. I saw the first one. I'd never seen the second one before. We saw it in 3D. It's a first you date. Jen? No, it was it predated. Oh, another woman. Dating Jen. Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, I dated before. Um, <laughs> no. We had the 3D glasses on. And they're, and they've like, they're holding hands and they've accepted their death. They've accepted their death. <laughs> so they're like, my, my lip I know. I can't cry in front of her. I can't cry in front of her. But I'm like, just bursting at the seams. Like, that is no, incredible. I... I I would have been very endeared. I also saw Toy Story 3 on a date and I warned the person that I was with. I was like, so I'm a crier. Like, you just need to know this. I'm not going to control myself. And then a guy who I liked at the time walked in with his date and I was like, man, I wish I was on a date with him. So there was like a lot of emotion. <laughs> oh boy, a lot going on in that movie, movie theater. <laughs> you guys, see, you guys have your crying stories about Toy Story 3. Uh, all I remember is I went with my, my friends, uh, Danielle and Michael, and I, I snuck in a jar of Nutella. That we ate, we ate with spoons. Right, you don't remember the part where all of the toys that we've grown to know and love have accepted their fate of death and then saved us a Violently, without dialogue. Oh it's like, all looks, holding hands and looks. I you can't even do that in like regular adult movies. Rarely do if something I were like a parent, that. I would be pissed bringing a <laughs> child to that movie and then having to explain what death is. I would be <laughs> fucking furious. Yeah, everyone's crying, and I'm just like, this Nutella's good. That's sad. Oh I my get. god. Did you? So, okay. So, I just need to like take a temperature test. You didn't cry in up in that like montage. Oh, hell in the no. Beginning. How about at the cry. end of Lord, how about the end of the third Lord of the Rings in which they accept their death in that moment? And he goes, how would you like to die next to a troll? And then Legolas goes, how about dying next to a friend? Boom. I'm like, that looks cool, but it also kind of sucks. I don't know. Like, <laughs> wow. What does make you cry? Not mu- I mean, like, uh, oh, God. Embarrassing. I think the last time I had a huge, huge cry. Let's see, breakups. And then uh, God, the, my, my cry of 2017 was uh I, I was late to it. <laughs> you a have use- so few that you remember the year. <laughs> yes, there I cry once a I'm a year crier. I will cry I haven't had my cry this year yet. So you know hey, maybe you had a the- cry like three weekends ago. It felt great. Uh, I, cry- I, I cried at the end of Chunking Express two days ago. <laughs> so, I mean I hadn't seen it so long. Oh I mean yeah. we don't need to go off but yeah. I just got that Juan Carwai Criterion <gasps> box set and I'm di- digging through it. I haven't seen them all in like 15 years. And uh, oh my God. 
Yeah. yeah like, stop what you're doing, folks. <laughs> Go watch those. <laughs> the, the only movie uh, I've ever cried watching was Door to Door, starring William H. Macy as a door to door salesman with cerebral palsy. <laughs> you brought this, uh, yeah, you brought this. Uh, it's so, like a TV movie? Yeah, it's a TV yeah. movie. What? Which, and, like, also his. his the girl he loves dumps him. His mom has Alzheimer's. Like literally every bad thing happens to this person. And he has a chipper attitude the whole time. That's the worst part. It's like, this guy should not be happy. I hate this. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, uh, I need to like, uh, I need to like uh, unleash the cries. Yeah. I remember one time I, I tried to cry watching a movie and I couldn't. Like I tried, like, I, like, I recognized I was watching. Have you guys seen the movie? Um, uh, with Jeff Bridges and directed by Peter Ware about the plane crash. Oh, Fearless. Fearless. I watched wow. Fearless. Not yeah, not the Jet Li one, but the Jeff Bridges one. <laughs> I tried crying watching Fearless with Jet Li. Yeah, you're just, you're just like, when does the martial arts start? <laughs> <laughs> Why hasn't the martial arts started yet? <laughs> I think, Patrick, what you should try doing is with movies, especially that you know are tearjerkers, mm-hmm. start off just like, performatively crying like doing the act of crying to like get your body and your like feeling and your face like yeah. in the motion of it and maybe the tears will come so it's gotta get into it well it, Patrick, or maybe yep. you just need therapy it's yeah. like you know how like people like can't throw some people can't throw up like my sure. my eyes can't throw up tears like that <laughs> i don't know it's hard i had to maybe I can't you put it that way you don't know crying <laughs> 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 No, I mean we. Why are we my a, eyes barfing? We have a film um, on the horizon. Yes. Um, we won't say why we're going to be watching this movie, oh, yeah. but in a month or so, maybe two months, we're going to be watching the film Terms of Endearment Ooh. as part of the show. And yeah. um, that's a that's a tearjerker. Yes, if you're not crying at the end of that one, um, you're dead inside. But I, you didn't cry at the end of like broadcast news we you said you watched that the other day i loved it i love that movie but i didn't cry it's like Man, it's i like moved by the end of it like they they all just accepted being adults and none of they're like kind of still friends but like maybe they'll run into each other at some point and they had all these heightened emotions for the first you know two hours and 15 minutes that we knew them i was like, like great uh, great writing i love this yeah oh i just <laughs> like i think it this 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 makes sense great movie uh, okay yeah we're gonna we, uh, you know yeah this is uh, a therapy session folks on uh, folks on twitter um <laughs> please send us to our oh. twitter movies that you think will make patrick cry <laughs> we want to we want to i just pop on eternal sunshine when i need a good cry when i like can't conjure it but I, like i know i need it so i use that to like get me going I used to do that. And this is it's you're gonna you're all gonna think this is nuts. We will get back to the insider at some point. Um, the Life Aquatic with Steve Z. Sue was oh, the yeah. one that like just knocked me on my ass because there's like and I talked. It was so interesting. Uh, after I saw it, I was just bawling like at, straight up like full scale bawling. And my girlfriend at the time's like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "I don't know." Was and it I, the dad stuff? Call my brother. He had the exact same reaction. It's it was one hundred percent the dad stuff. Yeah, yeah, it and always is. Yeah, and it's just and the, that part where when Bill Murray says, "I wonder if he remembers me about the oh, shark underwater," yeah. just like and they all touch his shoulder. Oh my god! <laughs> I, 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 as a child, I've cried in fear. Like I remember uh, Muppet <laughs> Treasure Island freaked the shit out of me. My mom had to take me out of Muppet Treasure Island screaming. 
I I have a friend who like he uh he saw we were like the same age and he like uh we're both uh, I guess well he might be 31 uh but uh no he might be 29 uh he's younger than me but uh he saw uh uh Muppet Treasure Island like around the same time I did and he like won a costume contest and got to like get like the CD for the sat like he had like the best day you could possibly have watching Muppet <laughs> Treasure Island he had like his name in his local town newspaper and like local boy wins pirate contest gets <laughs> you know <laughs> has a great time watching Muppet Treasure Island Aww. and I was just like I think like five minutes into that movie I was like these puppets fucking freak me out I hate this I want to go home <laughs> like that's the difference like now children's movies just make you cry and think about wanting to like call your parents and back in the day they just scared the shit out of you yeah and um i was was always crying for the uh, intended reasons i think the very first movie i ever saw was land before time oh in which those baby dinosaurs become orphans yeah yeah i mean i just sobbed the whole time i see i watched that i was like the dinosaurs are cool as hell they're cool and they're cute, but they also have lost their parents. They have parents, though, too, Patrick. That's, like, free. They get to eat whatever dinosaur snacks they want. But they're in so much danger. <laughs> they're cool. having a blast. They love it. They're having, they're, they're fun. They have songs. You know, it, it, Patrick, we're just going to, we're just going to have to work on it. I think we're you just know, gonna like have to. We're just gonna have to work on it. We gotta get back to the insider. We said, we said we got we gotta finish up here, but we said we we're gonna talk a little bit about Russell Crowe. Yes. Um, because I think he, you know, he got nominated for best actor. This was kind of his um, right at his like beginning of his like zenith of yeah. maximum superstardom, and I was so into it that I watched LA Confidential like right after. I watched God. The Insider and I love LA Confidential so much. And I'm a and, and then I watched Unhinged, his latest film in which he What's plays that? a psycho. It came out last exactly year. What it sounds like was he it like is, VOD? It, it's like a horror movie. <laughs> and he is this inex- he doesn't even have a name. And he's this guy who's basically driving around looking to be kind of slighted in road in traffic. Oh incidents and the second he gets slighted he's gonna kill you like he's like it's like what living in la is i don't and (laughs) he's i loved it because it was just an unapologetic exploitation b movie but it was really interesting to see like this guy was like the big like next big thing star is just kind of this like i mean he's so big in this unhinged mm-hmm. and he's like he just it's just it's just so interesting to see what time does to someone and but i think he still is an interesting actor i'm like a, i'm still like a fan of him as an actor um but it's just i think like he, i think he's just a really like he's an interesting guy and it's interesting how quickly things like it seems like yesterday i was at prom talking to friends because gladiator came out the same day as i went to prom (laughs) and all of us like lamenting the fact that we had to get pictures taken for the prom because we were really hoping to hit a matinee of gladiator before we went to prom which shows my priorities have never changed in my life (laughs) but yeah it's interesting like my buddy coming i said this last episode but my buddy coming up to me in, at on the dance floor he grabbed me by the shoulders he worked at a movie theater he goes he fights tigers 
And I was like, no. He's like, that sounds so good. Also very campy, I think. Oh, but that's the entire, yeah. It, it's the and same he's like thing. doing it in like a tank top, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like sandals. <laughs> We're always walking the line. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean, I think it. The Bahamas. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think he's really good in this movie. I do think he is um he's young to be playing the part. The gray hair and but the smooth face was kind of confusing for me. Mm. It, it is interesting because we talked about it last episode, but um the only other actor that they took a really close look at for Wygan was Val Kilmer. And interesting. um you know Val Kilmer also is also young. Also young. Yeah. I mean, and that would have been, um, I mean, I'm a big Val Kilmer fan, too. I think he's a fascinating actor. Are you pumped for Val? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, fascinating guy and really interesting actor and great in heat. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I like Russell Crowe in this. And I just think, like, to get back to Al, though, um, you know, Russell Crowe's playing it as he's got like this, like, I want to like, I got something to prove. I'm going to show you. I got like gained some weight. I've got the gray hair. I'm like an actor's actor. And Al is just calm and comfortable and just, he's just has himself. it. Yeah. yeah. That first scene where he's blindfolded and you see his like wacky hair sticking out of the blindfold. He's <laughs> got some weird, ha- like underrated <laughs> weird hair in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, these are all choices that were yeah. made. And I, I get it. This yeah. is his vibe. He's a hair actor. We all know it. <laughs> so, he's like Samson. Like he, yeah. well, we talked about it on the cruising episode. It literally that is what happened. Yeah. He got a bat. He got a weird haircut because he tried to get a haircut that fit the scene, and he was like, "I've lost all my power," and they had to wait till he grew his hair back some, <laughs> so he could, so he would feel more comfortable. Because yeah, wait, is that I mean, real? That's a Friedkin told it in his autobiography. Incredible. The Friedkin connection. It's oh. Yeah, I mean, I've re- I can't recommend Friedkin Connection more as okay. like an amazing like because Friedkin does not give a shit and <laughs> he's just he's so funny. <laughs> it's like and, you know, he made three astonishingly good movies and he said then he had a weird kind of crazy career on both <laughs> on both sides of those three movies. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can't recommend it more. And the cruising chapter is pretty wild as you would imagine but yeah i think you're right like the second he even you don't even need in al's eyes we are a big part of his entire acting game but even have those covered up you're just like oh we know it's al we know he's yeah. confident we know he's got it he's you know he's going into this he's you know it's it's and he's facing down hezbollah i think it's such <laughs> a cool it is such a cool introduction to you because it's like i thought this movie was about cigarettes <laughs> and yeah. you're like what are they doing here <laughs> like, yeah, what is and then it's just like christopher Plummer as mike wallace in like a safari jacket it's like all right i'm in oh right. what a great look oh. yeah like such a news reporter like yeah i'm a, i'm not i'm not this fancy new york man i'll show you by wearing my safari jacket yeah um i was gonna ask you christina like um you said how good christopher Plummer was and i agree like i think he's just astonishing i and you were, we were talking a little bit and i was struck this time around by I was uncomfortable, actually, and I think you're supposed to be mm. about his confrontation with Gina Gershon. The call me, call me Mr. Wallace. Mm-hmm. The how they shoot it that he's like, basically like looming over her. Yeah, and I was like, that seemed very like incredibly threatening. How yes. they put that together, and I was like, I hadn't noticed that before in the times I'd watched the film, and I just um, 
I thought it was an interesting choice to like go that far with it beyond just his monologue, which is threatening enough. Right. I will say, I mean, I think Gina Gershon is like criminally underutilized in like everything because mm-hmm. she is a good actress and she yeah, does she's have good. the chops. I feel like if there were any other actress, you'd be able to sense the sort of like anxiety and fear. But the thing that I liked about her is that she, even though he was so menacing mm-hmm. and so like looming over her, I never got the sense that she was afraid. You know what I mean? Like okay. I don't know, she, ha- yeah. she has a strength that I, again, think is underutilized. Um, well, I, I love what she does, how she just casually does say Mike. In yeah. the in the first time she's on screen, yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know what I'm talking about, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's like, ooh. but I think that just goes to my sort of larger and also like forever complaint, which is that like most women are underlied, underutilized in movies, mm-hmm. like the wife, Al's wife. I although I did like that she seemed like a career woman on her own too, and they they like parented, they co-parented together very well. Um, but like, yeah, I, I do feel like this movie just had like the women in it were just sort of I don't even want to say ornamental it's like oh let's throw like a girl in there you know yeah. I mean I've always yeah. felt like I think Michael Mann his interests are and in what kind of stories and kind of people he's interested in telling stories about are pretty clear yeah they are Dude, he makes boy movies. Professional, that's, that's professional how I've, like, grown dudes. up knowing him. Yeah, he yeah. makes I, boy movies. I don't think he's ever like. I think he really like. And based on all, like, he's a very like conscientious guy. And I think like every time I've heard, I've had the chance to see him speak in person, and every other like commentary and stuff like that. And I just think like, I don't think he's ever like cruel or unfair to his female characters. But it's just they just don't. F- in a sense, like they don't fit what he's trying to do. I mean, it, right. His perspective is so male that like yeah. the, it's the difference between, you know, I'm sure he's like a, I don't know him. You know, I don't know that man, sorry to this man, but you know, I'm sure he's <laughs> like a, a nice person, mm-hmm. but it's just that thing of like, his because his perspective is so kind of like hyper masculine and that's how it is expressed in his films Mm -hmm. i'm not surprised that the women are like poorly represented Mm -hmm. um but it does show uh a lot to me it's a lack of imagination right like if men can have these like operatic experiences like so too could a woman uh and and you're right like it would be different if the insider was a woman, you know what I mean? Then like we would be having a different conversation. Um, but but he hasn't made that movie. <laughs> but he, I don't think he ever will. I don't think no. he's interested in that, um, which is like, okay, you've had your time in the sun. Let's I mean, make I, room for some other yeah. detectives. I mean, yeah. I think he, I think his, his filmography, I think, I guess what I was trying to say is I think he is, tried the best his abilities but i don't think he's done a very good job sure i think that that's like i don't think he's um like some filmmakers i think you could certainly of his ilk to do like very masculine stuff you could accuse of um being quite misogynistic and i Mm -hmm. don't i just think he it's a blind spot that he's not very good at it would be and you're right like lack of imagination 
I, I do think that like it'll be interesting to see like because uh, he's making the Ferrari movie, right? Maybe. Maybe. I don't. I if Maybe I had to take Ferrari. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. If I had to take a guess, he's currently just finishing up a pilot that he directed for ah, HBO. Okay. I if I had to take a guess, that Ferrari movie's never happening, and I don't think he's going to make another film. Oh, if I, why if, do you say that? Um, precisely, I think what you just said about his time has passed. Mm-mm. Um, yeah. for a variety of reasons beyond just like the social end of it. Yeah. Um, his costs. I mean, Miami Vice was a one hundred and twenty-five million dollar movie. Oh yeah. Um, Black Hat, which did not do well, which I'm like the only person who likes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I fucking love it, but yeah. uh, it was like almost a hundred million dollars. Um, oh, this is the movie that Chris Hemsworth plays like a, a coder, and it's like mm, okay, hunky ass coder. <laughs> <laughs> Coders See, can be hot too. Yeah, See, the movie would be better, or would have done do- better if it was he's doing coder. He's doing Michael Mann's voice too. Like he's yeah. doing his like Chicago accent is oh like God. his what he's trying to do. It's awesome. I love it. Oh, but um, yeah. But again, like it's. And I think, like, stylistically, I really love it. I wish there were actually more movies that were over the top and operatic. And we'll get to that with Scarface in a moment, too. Um, I actually really am. I would prefer those to grounded realism in a lot of times. (laughs) Um, Just as, like, kind of, like... I, I like it because I think it just shows like a swing. And even if it's like a big miss, sure. like I appreciate yeah. the swing. Yeah. Uh, well, I, and I think there's like, a way to do, uh, I think there's a way to do uh, uh, operatic, uh, like to do operatic stuff in a way that feels like believable to a certain degree. Because like one thing I do like about The Insider is it's like, yeah, it's operatic and it's emotional, but it's not like, it's not crazy town. It's not like, uh, it doesn't strain credulity. Uh, and I think people sometimes like associate like being operatic about stuff with like like superhero movies and like uh, fucking Speed Racer or whatever like you know Matrix like things that aren't like real life and it's like you can like add a little bit of that operatic spice to like courtroom dramas people like you don't have to like uh, I don't know yeah it's well just... I wonder I mean it is an interesting choice because like if someone were to have made a very like straightforward version of this movie, it kind of feels like it would have been maybe like a little bit boring. Yeah. So like yeah. maybe the like opera of it all actually like it, 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 it does enhance the experience. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's like, yeah, like I don't want to listen. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do like a really stodgy to the point of being like, you know, dry to the point I'm getting like a, a rash, like, like, <laughs> like that level of like, I like that sometimes. Like I like, well, like I think you'd end up with, um, and I think this is a fine movie, but I, have not seen it nearly as much as I've seen The Insider. I think you'd end up with Spotlight. I was literally just going to say Spotlight. Yeah, you read my mind. But also, uh, Patrick, you brought up like this kind of like saves the day lawyer docudrama. Mm -hmm. And what Todd Haynes' Dark Waters from like two years ago, the one with Mark Ruffalo, Mm -hmm. hits a lot of these notes. It's it's actually a really good movie. And like, yeah, yeah, I really, it's, and it seems like it's going to be another like, Oh, he's investigating the substances on frying pans as being <laughs> poisonous, but it rocks. Like it's another one where you like, oh, is his car gonna blow up? Are the corporate guys gonna do this kind of? Oh my god! Like, it's got like Michael Clayton vibes. It's got insider. It's got Ooh. like it kind of hits those like 
you know, the crusading journalist or the crusading lawyer kind of movies. Well, but that's actually an interesting point because having not seen that movie, but having seen other Todd Haynes movies, I would be really interested to see that to, and compare it to something like The Insider that is mm-hmm. so hyper-masculine. Like Todd, Todd Haynes' POV is like different. decidedly very different. Yeah. So yeah. for him to take on that kind of subject matter and... I now I'm like really my interest peaked. I definitely want to see that. He is um such a phenomenal filmmaker. I mean, we really? all know that. Yeah. But like oh, yeah, and but also to go outside of like what you would think Todd Haynes' wheelhouse was yes. to do a movie like this, just to show like basically like check out my chops. I can yeah, do this too. About it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just hope it's like Velvet Underground where like, you know, they flashes forward to Ooh. like the American West, like, you know, in the year 1800 and like a, a spaceship, like, you know, lands on like in the American West he's... and drops like a magic brooch with a baby. And that baby grows up to be like Daniel Webster. And he's like, I'm going to be the best lawyer. In, in wow. School, in, in school. Everything like you just said, I was like, what the hell is oh this? Have you not seen? Okay. You guys need you to see. see my... You just saw Velvet Goldmine the other night. Yeah. Velvet oh, Goldmine. Okay. I keep wanting to call it Velvet Underground. But, everyone... but oddly enough, Todd Haynes just at the Cannes Film Festival released yes. a Velvet Underground documentary, Cannot which I'm dying to see. Wait. Dying to see. Yeah. Cannot oh, wait. Yeah. No, Velvet Goldmine slaps. I love that movie. But I mean, uh, his Bob Dylan movie with six Bob Dylans yes. is amazing. So it's absolutely amazing. It's crazy. I love it. A movie. That's I mean, it's an incredible concept. But uh, this is what you want out of movies is like, again, going back to like the big swing yes. of like, yeah, okay, six Bob Dylans, like that you might fall on your face. And one but, of them is Kate Blanchett. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. But if it works, man, that's a doozy. It it's going to work. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, man. So um, should probably move on to yep. Scarface. But The Insider, any final thoughts on The Insider before we move on? Uh, I liked uh, Michael Moore in this. Michael. Hold on. The guy, the guy, Mike oh, the Moore. guy who's playing not, himself. Yeah, not the, uh-huh. not the, uh, not the, not Michael Moore, not, the, the documentary. Not the rabble rouser. Yeah, but I liked, uh, yeah, Mike, Mike Moore, the former the attorney, the attorney general of Mississippi, who was playing himself. Yeah, Wait, he was. I was yeah. like, man's like too handsome to like. What's happening here? Yeah, <laughs> well, along with Bruce McGill and uh, was it Calm Fiore? Yeah, like that guy was like the real guy. Very Michael Mann move to like sit, to bring in the real guy. Yeah. I was just like, himself. who's this hot guy who's like kind of bad at line readings? Yeah. <laughs> Is that like a young Josh Lucas? <laughs> He's a handsome lawyer, not a handsome actor. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, you could just brought in young Josh Lucas to take care of that with these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> another that's another actor that's kind of like he had like a moment and then he immediately he's like, terrific in ford versus ferrari to come back to ferrari oh, um he's, as he's, he's the bad guy in that he's great oh he's, say, i'm i'm familiar with him because of sweet home alabama uh, mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's my really, mom if she was a guest on the show she would have really piped in on that too that's one of her faves <laughs> josh lucas is really uh, good uh, really good in uh nicholas cage's maybe his stupidest movie stolen an incredibly stupid film uh, like well, just, Bucks, he's in pig that's coming out and that lo- movie looks like it's gonna roll oh man yeah it but does like, I mean, he just is oh, the best like, and he's totally full of surprises oh, to man, this day yeah, but Josh Lucas, yeah, he ha- he looks so crazy. He looks like a pirate in Stolen. It's wild. You gotta watch. Everyone watch Stolen just for Josh Lucas's, because like, 
it's so funny because like i think like they they there's like a seven year gap in the movie like there's like a flash forward seven years into the future and like malin ackerman doesn't age at all nicholas cage doesn't age at all josh lucas has like a robotic fake leg and like long crazy axel rose hair and one thousand percent josh lucas coming up to the director too and saying i got I an, idea. an idea <laughs> yeah. and it, and it's, it's, it's a great idea yeah. like more, God bless more, more, more villainous josh lucas i love it all right. Well, that was uh, that was the inside. <laughs> Moving along to 1983's oh, wow. Scarface. Wow. Um, let me grab hey. my paperwork. Directed by Ro- Brian De Palma. Screenplay by. How about Oliver another like Stone. movie for boys guy? Oh yeah, he's a big yeah. Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take a listen to our last episode with yeah. my brother when we talked about this. <laughs> if you want to hear all about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, co-starring Stephen Bauer, Michelle Pfeiffer, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, Academy Academy favorite from the Abyss, oh, yeah. uh, Robert Loggia, F. Murray Abraham, Harris Ulan, uh, just a bunch of kings and queens. Um, the film premiered in 19, uh, December of 1983. It was budgeted at $23.5 to $37 million. Very 80s cocaine budgeting <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> it made $66 million. And Brian De Palma said um, he was in the moment quite disappointed. He thought it was going to be a much bigger hit than that. Uh, unbeknownst to Brian De Palma, it would be embraced about 10 years later and become the poster on everyone's wall in Crips. Um, It was not nominated for any Academy Awards. It was nominated for three. The the shamed Golden Globes. Um, For what? Best Original Score, Best Supporting Actor, Stephen Bauer, and Best Actor, Al Pacino. It was also nominated for uh, Razzie, her worst director, Brian De Palma, which I, of all the things to nominate for Razzie in this film, I don't think Brian De Palma would have been my choice. Um, the film obviously uh, has ups and downs uh, with the Rotten Tomatoes and <laughs> critical, pr- critical appraisal. It has 82% currently. Uh, consensus rates. Director Brian De Palma and star Al Pacino take it to the limit in this stylized, ultra-violent, imminently quotable gangster epic that walks a thin white line between moral drama and celebratory excess. Interesting. Christina, what is your background with the film Scarface? (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's like, I feel like my exposure to Scarface was through like every dorm boys dorm room I'd ever seen. Like yeah. that was just like the prerequisite poster next to like the portrait of Kramer and like, you know, <laughs> Bob Marley. Yeah. Albert Einstein I do have a out. very fond memory of I was in film school. I was on a I was producing a short film and I had to go get gas for one of the cars we were using. Uh, and it was like late at night. So I went with a friend this is on Houston Street. That gas station is no longer there. And I was driving like this huge like pass van and I pull into the dra- uh, gas station and apparently the pass van that I was driving was like in the way of some like limo driver limousine, like stretch limousine. And this man started screaming at me to like move the van, the van, like you know like I don't know expletives about like women drivers and then this other guy 
I don't know where he came from, but he like jumped out of his car and like defended me and my friend to this like asshole limo driver. And the guy who defended me was wearing Scarface Zubas pants. Oh. Um, so I will never forget that. Wow. Um, I yeah. was like so <laughs> fingers crossed that it was Brian De Palma. But I'm happy that it's this guy with the Zubas pants. It was just a nice man from Long Island wearing Zubas pants with Scarface on it. it I, truly, like, I will never forget that moment. <laughs> Those sound great. I, I would wear them. Same. Very comfy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, my... I've actually seen this movie before. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, watching it again in this, the year of our Lord, 2021, felt truly psychotic. It is crazy. <laughs> like, this movie, like, should be illegal. Um, <laughs> you know, like, the, the amount of brown face, all of the wacky accents, like, None of which I'm sure are Cuban. Uh, Stephen Bauer, the only real Cuban Cuban in the cast. Yes. And I actually thought he was very good. And also I found him very handsome. So I was like, that was distracting. Yeah, Um, a bona fide hunk. Yeah, uh, yeah, there he is right there. With that great great shirt. The shirt's so cool. Yeah. Um, For the listeners at home, he's wearing sort of a pink, purple, teal, kind of like, almost like Tommy Bahama shirt, but... It's around two-thirds of the way through the movie in which Manny is starting to express doubts <laughs> in Tony's managerial style. <laughs> yeah, as he's, like, uh, in, like... Is this when he's in a... Uh, no, this is when he's at his desk. He's not at yeah. his uh, crazy, like, living room jacuzzi. Unsanitary. I was, awesome, though. Uh, the oh, it rules. And carpet. Time. Carpet. Right next to the jacuzzi. I mean, what a nightmare to how do you get out of there without I, I, making a big old mess? I was texting Don about this last night. It, it does kind of feel like sometimes this movie is like, uh, what if like Big was about a kid accidentally becoming a gangster instead of a, <laughs> <laughs> instead of like. And a we man. we did discuss it. Perhaps if Robert Lojas Lopez had just uh. brought out a giant piano for him and tony to dance on like he does with tom hanks and big perhaps um things 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 would have gone differently yeah. but the, the other not thing, at all yeah the other thing i will the last thing i'll say and then get back but uh, like his uh his wardrobe is 100 percent like what young, i would describe it as like what a young patrick thought would look cool to wear to his bar mitzvah like that's what every suit is like <laughs> Like this is like, like that's like what me at thirteen would be like. Yeah, I'd look so badass with a white I look suit. Fucking hot. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. Oh man, as, as I as I do the Cupid shuffle, like as your parents just sit there in the front row, just shaking their heads, the hands in their face, like just like oh, what? I, he, okay, yeah. he still has time. Yeah, he's only thirteen. Yeah, he'll <laughs> yeah. figure it out. He'll grow yeah. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> folks uh because you can't see it patrick is wearing a white leisure suit right yeah. now <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm dressed Stunning. like a uh, black and white mask <laughs> <laughs> uh sorry oh, yeah, Christina, I, I feel yeah. like i interrupted you no i mean it's also so long of so much of all the stuff that's so yeah. hard to watch <laughs> it's it's very it's so long it's, a, it's almost a three hour long movie it was a very long movie uh, to just 
And that's the thing that's like confusing, right? Because like Al Pacino, he he is he is a maximalist. He makes mm-hmm. choices. And sometimes we, the audience, don't understand his choices, but like I feel like he fully understands his choices. Mm-hmm. And to see him sort of go through a like go in and out of his like sometimes it's Mexican, sometimes it's Puerto Rican, sometimes it's that like Barcelona, you know, like that accent. I was just like, oh my God, like uh i wonder like it actually i think would be really interesting if they were like okay we're gonna do a shot for shot remake of this movie but now go back into the research work with the dialect co- you know i don't know yeah. i mean it obviously wouldn't be made now but like well i don't know they, I just they're to, like, doing there's so much of it that was just like really hard to watch luca guagadino is currently attached to the remake of luca Scarf- making a scarface remake Written by the Coen Brothers. Currently, huh? that's the current standing of the Scarface. Reading. And is it still about like Cubans coming over to America in the eighties? Well, I, I I rewatched. Um, I actually did saw it for the first time. I watched the nineteen thirty two Scarface in t- yesterday okay. in anticipation of watching didn't this. Didn't realize that that was a thing until I was on the IMDb where it says based on the nineteen thirty two screenplay. Yeah, where it's like they Al Pacino saw, he apparently was some point in the late 70s walking down in Hollywood, and he happened to have an extra couple hours that he went into a revival movie house and saw it, and he was so impressed with Paul Muni's performance that he's like, I want to do this. Huh. And that was kind of the impetus to the entire thing was Al Pacino watching really? this 1932 one. And the crazy thing about the 1932 one, it's an Italian immigrant in the 1932 one which would have made more sense for him for al pacino yes yes um you know not for al pacino but very intriguing storyline by setting it with the within the cuban expat community but i don't know if regardless of that um there was some very interesting parallels though between the um the two versions like the way that the michelle pfeiffer character is introduced is almost identical to the way the her um but the really interesting thing is the character's relationship with his sister is almost identical in the 1932 version which is real yeah and i was like is this just kind of like a cokey fever dream of oliver stones to put this in to be provocative but it was absolutely part of the 1932 version that he has this weird obsession with his sister he has number two guy falls in love Mm -hmm. and he shoots his friend in the 1932 one too and it's very interesting i am no expert on this but like uh, there is the like the whole like machismo thing and like the the obsession with being possessive over one's like female relatives mm-hmm. i mean it's just expressed in such a weird way i don't know like it's it's like it's wild yeah it's hard for me to i don't know like i don't have like my take on this movie is like you know not at all surprising uh yeah i almost mm-hmm. have like less to say about it just because it's like it's just so I don't know. And it's, then it's, it's like, and then Belzer's in it playing a comedian. I don't know. It's just oh, like so much comedy. It's just like, what is. What? We may or may not have been texting about if Richard Belzer survived the shootout. <laughs> Multiple texts last night. <laughs> uh, and I still, I still get a kick out of like the assassins are coming to kill 
Al Pacino to kill Scarface, but then like the weird man with the pot belly comes out and they're like, no, wait a minute. We gotta we gotta watch this and man lip sync. De, Paul- De Palma said that the, the 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 clown getting shot was a big hang up by the MPAA. They Whoa. wanted that cut in particular, and De Palma's like, it's funny. <laughs> like, why, why not leave it in here? Wait, they wanted that cut as opposed to like the chainsaw scene or like all the violence. Oh, that stuff is crazy. Yeah, I mean like, they that's... they well, it's violence against everyone. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah. but, violence against clowns. We can't yeah. for it. Yeah, the, yeah, like as a society, we the as and the Hollywood community needs to put its foot down somewhere. Yeah. Um, it is like it is funny too that like yeah, we've talked about a lot on this podcast that like people will like. Uh, like it's crazy. We there's so many movies that like where the takeaway is like Al Pacino's a cool character in that movie. Yeah, and this is by far the most baffling. Like, yeah, I don't get uh, the hero. I, the hero worship of Tony Montana is insane. That is so bonkers. I think like I think like the only explanation I can come up with is they legit stopped watching after the montage. Like that was like they were like it's an hour and five I mean, minutes in. You know? It is. It is one of the greatest things are going good. Montages uh, in the history yeah. of cinema. Though. I will say that is like uh, does well. also. I love He's the, walking like, with his crotch at the camera insane. for every single shot of that I mean, montage. He's really feeling it. It's big dick energy. That's it, what that is. One hundred percent is. He's opening up all sorts of businesses. Montana Enterprises <laughs> all over the damn place. Yeah, uh, I love things are that- go- things are just going great. Great. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I do love. It. I want to bring up like this time around. I noticed it even more. How unimpressed Michelle Pfeiffer is with him, yeah, top well, to bottom, like, which is great. Racist? I think. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's true as well. <laughs> but I mean, he sucks though too. <laughs> like, I mean, all, like, he does, but it, it's it, right. It's like it's two wrongs making a super duper wrong. Yeah, I mean, that, not to say that she's a good person, but I think it's an interesting take because, like, so many of these movies, I think would have been like. <sighs> She would have like, like seen sh- past it. Seen past him and like, oh, wait, he's cool now. He's like replaced yeah. Robert Loja, but she's like, no, I don't like you, but I'm too I'm too coked out and disinterested really to do anything different. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing that also was really interesting to me about her character is like she had such disdain for like literally everyone. It's like, girl, what are you doing here then? Did yeah. You, it, like, and I guess again, it's like my version of the movie would have been through like her eyes, you know, of like, what is it like for a woman to exist in this world? And why does she want to exist in it? And like, what does she get out of it? But clearly that's not what this movie is. Um, but like her disdain was so bald that I was like, this, like, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Like, <laughs> I found it very, I found I it very, here. I found it very interesting. It was just kind of unexpected. Like you don't see yeah. that kind of choice particularly often and that, that that just yeah it was very intriguing to me and i love the fact that like after the big restaurant to say goodbye to the bad guy blowout she's gone she's yeah. just not back in the movie yeah. it's like oh yeah. she's bailed but good cool <laughs> like why bring her back like that's a well, perfect need to make room for the sister so yeah that stuff is so... but i will say like one thing that i think it's... this movie gets like right which is interesting and i didn't notice it as much the first time watching it because this movie's a lot there's a lot going on but i think one thing that's interesting is like you really do get a sense of like it kind of reminds me of the godfather 2 in the sense where you find out who's like really pulling the levers of power Mm -hmm. in an interesting way like when you actually go to bolivia 
or like <clears throat> see the people from Cuba that escaped that are like the big boys. It's never like the, you know, the uh, indigenous peoples. It's always like a guy that's like, for, like goes educated in England that was yeah. like a descendant of Hernando Cortez and like the general is named like Aldolfo Hitler the third like like yeah. they're like the, ger- the Col- German it's like the same yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like the same it's like the same European scumbags that have been like destroying uh that have that have like taken accrued power throughout time yeah. And it's yeah. not just like, yeah, it's not just like, uh, I don't know. I think it's like, um, I think people miss that too. I think it's like, cause it's really easy just to uh, kind of like for glaze over that aspect of like the Bolivian scene. But it is crazy when you go back to Bolivia, it's like, oh yeah, like this is like the, 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 the upper echelons of Bolivian society that are dictating the drugs. Well, it's also that like Tony's, like, Tony's essentially killed cause he's kind of gauche compared yeah, to yeah. compared yeah. to them oh and also the americans are in it that's the other thing too is that like yeah you have like fucking greg henry amongst all these dudes <laughs> this like this motherfucking you know anthropomorphic piece of corn like <laughs> i got like i love like i love like he's a great actor but like he's just so like it's like yeah like this dude who looks like uh just like the guy who uh would be like in his small town in Texas reminiscing about how he was like the quarterback on the high school team is yeah. like in the middle of it's so it's who interesting. Do you, like, who do you think the CIA agents are, man? Come on, man. Do you think that uh, that actually then makes the hero worship of Tony Montana then makes sense to me because whether mm. or not it's articulated, it's like he does kind of seem like the underdog or like at least like he's like fighting the man in a weird way i don't know it's like it's a stretch but like he and he does rise from like absolutely nothing to having a living room hot tub you know which carpeted living room carpeted living room hot tub but yeah yeah uh, it's just like i guess yeah i think you're right i think that they're at like a very like everyone loves an underdog at like a very like core instinctual level without kind of analyzing like the weirdness of Tony and the cruelty of Tony <laughs> yeah. and um, every all that. I mean, like I, the I I was texting with my brother because we're obsessed with the scene where he goes to New York mm-hmm. and he can't blow up the family, and we have so many questions. And my brother, he's just he's like, I love the movie, but man, it really loses me for about fifteen minutes when he goes to New York because it's like. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, he gains a soul. All of a sudden, he like, no, 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 I have a morality now. It's like, where did this come from, Tony? And why is he there? He's built up this entire organization. Send one of your guys to do it. Why are you the one pulling the trigger? I got send send Nick. I know you need to, but it would have been very easy and maybe more politically interesting for them just declare him just to be too obnoxious for their business and that's why they're going to kill him and not because of this like kind of like more like plotty yeah i have to say i did watch this in sort of a like sunburned state yeah and i kind of like i feel like halfway through i sort of gave up on like tracking the plot oh okay (laughs) yeah it's a it's a wild like it's kind of an exhausting movie (laughs) 
Yeah. Because <laughs> he's at a 10 the whole time. It's really, it's, I mean, like, he's, you, you're right. He is like, his accent is inconsistent. But at and the I same time, honestly, just kind of like culturally incorrect. He's 100% committed to his inconsistency, <laughs> like, which is nuts. I, 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 it's, and it's like, also, it's like, is he the, the first scene where he's, um, being interrogated by like the, the like borders, yeah. the border authority. He plays it in like a sort of like, I thought he was doing something kind of interesting with like his like performed sexuality. It's <laughs> like, I truly don't know what's happening here. And like, is this what he think Cuban people are like? Like I, the, the choices, there were so many. Yeah. Steven, Steven Bauer may have been the first Cuban person he ever met, but I don't know. And then, well, and then the heartbreak of like, I'm sure his last name is not Bauer. It is not. No, oh, there's a, on the, the, the Blu-ray, there's a special feature of a kind of a reunion that they did at the Tribeca mm-hmm. Film Festival a few oh, years ago. Wacky. And it's um, De Palma, Pacino, Pfeiffer and Bauer mm-hmm. being interviewed. And uh, they hear some fun stories about Bauer basically like moved in with Al for like a month before they started shooting just so they could like hang out, become and great be, buddies. Like, yeah. yeah, but um it is like to see their personalities come out and kind of like it's it's so fun to watch like Pacino is just as amused by the entire thing. Stephen Bauer is so thrilled to be on stage with this yeah. thing that he's telling like really awkward jokes oh, to no. try and like kind of be in the mix. Uh, the interviewer is completely, frankly disrespectful to Michelle Pfeiffer and doesn't ask her any real questions at all. What? And Brian De Palma does not want to be there, period. And so, um, <laughs> what a mix. It's exactly kind of what you think it's. And she's so funny, like, cause she can like, you get the vibe from the jump that she's like, Oh, I'm not going to between like, well, it's like we're the still only kind of famous people left in this movie that like would want to do this. Hmm. You better believe F. Murray Abraham is not trekking down to Tribeca to do some Q&A for some college kids. Yeah. I mean, I think like, <laughs> you know, like Al Pacino seems genuinely bemused about how popular the movie is, which is kind of sweet almost if like just kind of like, oh, yeah, I mean, like we made it. It was like tried our best and i did not necessarily expect it to have the cultural relevance it still has <laughs> like, but um you know cool <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> which is probably the correct attitude to like to say something about 40 years old you're like yeah, yeah okay cool well, you know wow they did it when i was you know oh he's also too old for the part. i wanted yeah. to bring that up to really? as well he's about 40 when they were oh. doing it like, cause he's born in 1940. So oh. it came in 83. So he's 43. And Stephen Bauer's only like, I think in his he's early, young. he's only like in his early sixties today. Yeah. And Al Pacino's 81. Wow. So there's a big <laughs> difference. But yeah. the weird thing is that like, Pacino, weirdly to me, seems ageless in a way where I'm like, you can totally see his age, but it kind of works. I don't know yeah. because I think if it was someone younger it would be like hitting all the same like I'm at 11 notes mm-hmm. I think it would almost seem um it's like oh this person just doesn't know how to act yeah like, they're just gonna like they're just screaming <laughs> they're screaming yeah. for three hours whereas it weirdly like works for Pacino. I don't know. <laughs> we're like, we're no Pacino is a dog day afternoon. He knows how to act. Right. So this is a choice. <laughs> yeah. But he, I think, I mean, I think he's thrilling in this movie. 
yeah, I think he like knows how to harness that like unhinged uh madman madman yeah persona whereas if i i agree it, like they either needed to have found someone unknown mm-hmm. who was younger to play this or it's like well we got pacino even yeah. though he's not at all cuban it's like yeah yeah he has like a that wacky energy that he- you need to like build a coke empire and build a carpeted hot tub in your living room (laughs) i mean this is the power of the movie star like the people who just have it yeah and he's got it like you know he's watchable yeah even when he's embarrassing and sometimes when he's embarrassing it's even more fun like it's because i I mean like you know we we don't want to compare and contrast too much but i think that there is kind of like i would i would love to see meryl streep go nuts at least one time but yeah. she's so good at being like. Um, uh, have you seen Mamma Mia? I have. Yeah, I still feel like. Yeah, I think she that that's. A, she holds I, back. I, I think a little bit. But I also think that. I also think that that's actually the closest to her. Yeah. Is Mamma Mia as well, though. And I, so I think that you're right, though. I think you know, if we were to go back in time, I think Mamma Mia might actually even do better in our tournament because there's this authenticity to what she's doing throughout it that feels really like not so much a Yale trained as just like this like she's having fun happy woman who's just having a great time with on this beautiful Greek island with this one this wonderful dock (laughs) where that affords us many dance sequences. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a terrific movie. I'm a bit yeah to the point where I saw Mamma Mia was playing in like a brunch setting at Alamo Draft House recently. I texted Patrick do you want to go to i'd still do that in a heartbeat <laughs> oh man yeah but I, it, so it, I i i really like yeah i think there's a lot of dated troubling elements to scarface <laughs> but i think like al's enthusiasm wins me over yeah. <laughs> in like this big way of like i just find him it's so like i wish like i wish you would see like one of these like not, not, not. Obviously, not the cultural end of it, but just kind of the wild, like over the top end of it. Mm-hmm. I would love to see like <sighs> Chris Evans do something insane, Man, or like maybe. one of the like one of these like newer, uh, younger I'm stars. Say, I'm like just be Timote? like, what's that? Timote. Timote. Timote Chalamet. Oh. Oh. Tim- <laughs> I was like, who's Timote? Yeah. <laughs> who's yeah. The, the mysterious Timote? Yeah, I'd like to see like him like inexplicably get cast as like Stone Cold Steve Austin in a biopic I, and shave his head and gain a yes. bunch of muscle and just go crazy. I want to like, buff. Yeah, I want to see it. Timothy yeah, like <laughs> something happened to him. He did a bunch of roids to do this. Oh, and no. it's yeah, like and like yeah. we didn't talk to Timothy Chalamet. He's taking it too far. I want, I want, I want Lucas Hedges to go down the uh, the uh, the wrestler who's that uh, who's that oh, actor God. Uh, Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Like, Lucas one of them play Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Lucas Hedges is Mickey Rourke in Mickey, the Mickey Rourke story. Oh man, incredible! Like, yeah, I just want to see like because I know that like we're in a real stage of acting right now, and there's nothing wrong with it of being very naturalistic, very kind of like grounded, performance yeah. wise, and um. Getting goofy's cool. 
Yeah, every making, once in a while, making bold choices. Yeah, like it, I like even like Daniel Craig and I, we brought it up. Daniel Craig and Logan Lucky just doing the insane oh, Southern yeah. accent. I love it. I love that he was doing. Or that. like in Knives Out, he has this, he, like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> yeah, like so that good. guy's like James Bond, but he's a secret freak, and good yeah. for him. Like and like, I'm just saying, actors out there. Don't be afraid to let your freak flag fly. Yeah. He's <laughs> El Del Toro in like the usual suspects. Well, versus... you can't understand a word he says. And it's, it's like, great. <laughs> like this yeah. Doesn't matter because he's got his vibe, does it? <laughs> like oh, he's what oh, he's so good. He's yeah. he's like underrated. I'm such to, a fan yes. of his. I need to see like, no sudden move still. I know. I, I dying to see it. It's been on my list for um, the last week and trying yeah. to get that in. Um, but yeah, I think this movie is obviously. It's wacky, and you know we went through. You know, what did it go up against? Uh, it went up against Carlito's Way, another okay. film in which Al Pacino this time is playing Puerto Rican. Um, that one I would argue you... has a sillier voice. Or <laughs> you would have a hey, lights out, game over. Yeah, oh man, yeah. It's like I, I, I love both of them, but obviously, like Brian De Palma, we talked about it last time around. Another maximalist. You're either in or you're out. And, um, and I feel like I'm kind of out with him. And, <laughs> and that's like totally, that. that's totally yeah. fair. Cause like, yeah, I think you're either obsessed. Cause I, I think it's, I think there's also like a very nerdy element to like his camera moves mm. is kind of what, like, that's all I ever talk about. I never, I don't really ever talk about like the plots to his movies when I'm talking to people about why I love De Palma. I'm always talking about like, the crane shot in Scarface where they're coming in below the freeway and they have like a thousand extras beating the crap right. out of each other, climbing the fence. Oh and then it goes God. in and I'm like, that's awesome. That's oh, totally but awesome. It's like, but that, so that's, that shot is cool, but like the acting in it is crazy. Like yeah. when, they, when they swoop into the, when they're following that guy. Right. And like the, he's in the like bunk or whatever. And everyone is just sort of like, I, I don't know what they're doing. They're, they're just like, like so they just have they have like two by fours and they're just yeah. kind of shaking them. Pacino's playing a game of basketball that looks like a game of rugby. Oh, it's oh, insane. There's like the 20 amount of people, people on there. that court. It's like yeah. Brian De Palma clearly has never seen a basketball game before in his life. Yeah. Even I know it's five v five. There were like thirty people on at the most. Court. Five or five is the most it goes. See, I will say that like watching it this time around, it's, I almost appreciated the weird eccentricities because like i feel like this um this viewing especially like yeah because you feel like like you're, you're looking at these miniatures like you're looking at these like dioramas also but they have like living people in them but it adds like this sense of like uh it feels like everything is faded like it, i almost got like a very like greek tragedy vibe Mm. Uh, especially with like the ending, how like Scarface ends up getting uh, old Mr. Scar ends up getting uh, uh, killed by like the Jack. Was it the Jackal? I forget his cool hitman name. Skull. He's the Skull. The Skull. Yeah, My bad. I apologize. Oh, I, I apologize. Do not like... run after me. But like the way, <laughs> the the way... yeah, the Skull. Yeah, Scar. <laughs> oh, that'd be so good if like a, the the Lion uh, from Lion King. No, it wouldn't. Uh, but uh. Uh, but the way like he kills, um, it just feels like faded in a way, like because he like because afterwards he just kind of like slowly like walks down like the stairs and like the camera like zooms out and it feels like I'm watching like a fucking uh, a clock, 
Like you know how like you'll have clocks where like you know like it, it, the, the like it, it hits noon and then like two like little Germans come out and start dancing or whatever. It feels like I'm watching that, but it's like a Scarface clock where it's like up oh, time for the skull to murder. Like it felt like there was like this sense of like you. It felt like he was just gonna die the whole movie, and it had like this weird yeah. like well, it felt the, like it. That's the only. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's it's the like way it, it goes. yeah. It felt like it felt a Sophocles esque. I don't know. Just, it's it's very, weird. very funny in that um, that get together that I was just talking about the Q and A. Mm-hmm. To every time Al Pacino praises Oliver Stone's script, mm-hmm. Al Pacino, uh, Brian De Palma leans further back in his chair. was <laughs> 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 like, good because he threw Oliver Stone off the set oh, uh, because Oliver Stone was talking to Pacino like the entire time he was on set, and Brian De Palma was like, "Adios." <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine like such big personalities, yeah. such big. I don't know. Talk also, about another boys movie, man. Yeah, I but like I, what I, I, I want to say though, what I loved about Brian De Palma is his imperfection. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I like. He's so good at elements of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he is so good at setting up shots. He is so good at like the look and the vibe of a movie. It just doesn't matter what the people are doing in them. But he can't get out of his own way and his <laughs> his trashy taste <laughs> with um and that is exactly it. It is trashy. Yeah. yeah. Trash boy. And once you but I, I guess once you like embrace the trash yeah. is kind of when the moment like that was like when it clicked for me. I was like, I'm cool with this. And I cry at the end of um blowout. I do cry at the end of Blow, his film Blowout. I, I would say, but, like, uh, uh, Christina, if you have not seen uh, Blowout. Well, it's his best movie. Blowout's his I best. That's actually, like, a good movie with, like. It's trashy, but it yeah. is good. Wait, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of an, am I thinking of another movie called Blowout? Hold on. There's Blow I mean, Up. I mean, there's Mike Michelangelo Antonioni's Blow Up. And then yeah, there's uh, Blowout. Yeah. Blow with Todd. With uh, John Travolta. But the, isn't there, there's, like, another movie called blow with josh Hart. anyway it's oh, you think it's of johnny, johnny depp's blow, johnny depp's blow the no no cocaine no no, no. Oh. Oh. josh <laughs> josh, josh hart now oh, that's another one forgotten to time josh hart oh, oh sorry excuse me blow dry oh um, i just watched uh, brian de palma's black dahlia with josh hartnett the other day oh, it's okay. bringing I'm, all I'm together blow out to my list oh travolta another big swinger he, he was almost batman <laughs> yes he was almost the Christian Bale Batman, and then he really? turned it down. And that was like his one of his big regrets. He was like, "I wish I, I wish I had done that." Man, yeah, I would have been. Young me would have loved that, and I would have watched the hell out of it. Oh, yes. interesting actor. Yeah, we just watched uh, Halloween H two O the other day as well, and got his, and he got the <laughs> and introducing credit in that film. Whoa, they don't give that. But out yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I, I think Pacino's performance, like. He's doing battle in this film yeah. between very good and very bad. And it, I guess it just kind of depends on your taste, maybe. Um, if, mean, what, what side you land on. There, when he first sees Michelle Pfeiffer coming down the elevator, like his face acting, very, very captivating. Yeah. Um, but it's like this movie for me, and it's like the whole way around. It's not just Al Pacino. It's like everything about the movie. It's like, it's why I can't watch like The Housewives. Because that show uh, is just like, 
people screaming at each other constantly (laughs) and I cannot take it I get a headache you know it's like it's that same tenor like pitch of just like the whole time (laughs) oh man you heard it here first folks Scarface is the real housewives for dudes yeah i mean it's yeah <laughs> it's like it, it, it might as well be yeah, yeah but well like, be. oh man and it's like it's one of those things too where like it is like a problematic both, both are very fashion forward oh that's least. god i love uh all this um i also love that like like they have this like gang of people that they're at least trying to ostensibly look cuban like they're either cuban actors or people ostensibly but then they have this one guy who looks like like uh like one of the dudes in like that like sketch about the bears like you have like a George, you have George yeah. Went. <laughs> like, it's the like same, from Cheers. The same thing happens in Carlito's way, where they send him down in the subway to chase Carlito, and that big boy is the oh, guy they send down. Favorite, that's my favorite part. Then oh, it's like movie. I don't know in ninety degree heat in that. summer in New York in the subway. I don't know if this is the guy to send after Pacino on a foot race. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, it works out in the end. Yeah, Dusex fat guy because like yeah, was so out of breath, <laughs> he was able to see Carlito and like uh, what a crazy. Uh, that's I kind of like. Uh, I love that guy's, it. I love it. Love it. More and yeah. more movies like that. Where, like, yeah. Deuce, Deuce, yeah, I mean, we were jo- we were joking over text that we wanted to see Brian De Palma direct Black Widow, which I have not seen, but I would just like that would be wild I mean, if he did it, <laughs> like. Or it would any, just be like all David Harbor with that crazy Russian accent. Any of That's the, what it would be. Any of the Marvel movies, though. Yeah, just give let let, let old man De Palma have a shot at one of them and see yeah. what happens. Like, like, give, yeah. yeah, give him a lesser character and make them a sex freak who's like following people around and doing voyeur stuff and then slashing people with razors and yeah, like let's yeah. see it happen. Like Great a hard, sesh. hard R, like doing battle with the MPAA. Marvel movie. Yeah. I'm my like, group... clown still needs to die. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and the clown's dying no matter what, my man. Yeah. So... <laughs> my, my man thing fucks. <laughs> man thing fucks. Oh, man. What a weird. Uh, I would weird... just want an addendum on the Noah Baumbach documentary about De Palma if he ever got to do a Marvel movie about his further thoughts on that. So Noah yeah. Baumbach did a documentary on De Palma. It's awesome. I watch it all, all the time. time. All the time. It's so good. <laughs> Honestly, that like to me sums up your brand, yeah, perfectly in a nutshell. A Noah Bombach documentary about Brian De Palma. Yep. That is Don's brand. Is one of the most entertaining movies I can think of. Oh, wow. Just two hours of De Palma because he's completely washed out of kind of like mainstream. Hollywood at this point he only like he's his last few movies he's had his like scrounge money in Europe and they've looked every bit of what it means to scrounge mm-hmm. money in Europe Straight for. to VOD baby the last one Domino which I have not seen absolutely was straight to VOD yeah oh man uh, but he so he doesn't care so he's just doing this hilarious he's hilarious and he's just doing this interview ranting about everything and he's great I just want to say I tried to look up Brian De Palma on Wikipedia, and then it autocorrected as uh, Brianna De Parma. Mm. What's up Ooh. with that person? I want to know who Brianna De Parma is. She's also really, really good at tracking shots. Oh, there we go. Uh, should we like move on to the? Yes, yeah. let's, let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, so, Christina, this time around, we know we did the Tucci mm-hmm. last. Yeah. Uh, that we same thing, but it's called the John Cazale 
supporting player of the week oh, okay. based upon uh, Al Pacino's number one co-star. And now, and one of the great loves of Meryl Streep's life. Indeed. Fascinating. Um, lot of options this week. Al Pacino's acting with a lot of other people in these two films. So um, if you need a sec, we'll start with Patrick. Yeah, uh, Patrick, please. who is your John Cazale supporting player of the week? You know what? I'm going to do a crazy. I'm going to give it to Mike Moore. All right. Oh, right I liked it. I really liked it this time around. The Insider, and uh, you know what? He's also because, like, you know, I've given some good ones away to everyone already. But like, uh, the other thing too is, uh, he's probably the best politician Mississippi has had since Reconstruction. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like an the, the, the bar, the bar, I think is, the bar is very quite low, low I imagine. Yeah, but, I think, so, like, <laughs> but like, I think in terms of like, yeah, like he sued, like he righteously sued. Uh, uh you know cigarette companies and got the money back for people that were uh although maybe i'll look into him further and find out he's a horrible man so <laughs> tentatively for now i'm gonna give it to michael moore and if, he, uh, and if i and if i find out he's a horrible man uh the award then goes to uh a cc i love that and we're gonna give uh, and then michael moore will get our um uh, stamps.com bad guy of the week. Yes. Bad guy of the week. <laughs> he gets the sta- if he's a baddie, if he's, if he's bad, um, uh, allegedly or not allegedly, allegedly. who knows? We just going to keep, we're going to keep ourselves in the clear here. Regardless. We don't God. even have a Patreon yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have no assets. <laughs> yeah. But if, but if, yeah, but if allegedly, if he's a baddie, then I give it to uh, Angel Salazar's Chi Chi, who's like the, the the last, he's like the last friend to get killed. And I love that oh. actor. He's so great in everything he does in Scarface. Yeah. He's like a fun, also, he's like Cuban too, which is nice, but like he's just a great, and it's, it's cool. Hey, that bonus. He comes, yeah, he comes back in like Carlito's way also. Like I love, Ooh. yeah, great, great, uh, great actor. I, I'm gonna, I think this might be an Academy academy first oh no so look the f out um bruce mcgill again (laughs) i gave it to him last time around because i love what that smoke off your face like i am such southern or does he just always play southerners he's got he he's got those vibes yeah Yeah. he's 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 from san antonio texas okay interesting he has that like like you know he's he is um we we revealed it last. He is Trumpy oh, in real no. life. Yeah. It's like a Nick Cersei. He's like yeah. So I guess he's like less. Like, he's not like he's like one short of being. He's like a person we dislike of the week. He's like our stamps. In, in 1999, one day on set, when yeah. he yelled at those other attorneys to let them know what state thing this case was, this deposition <laughs> was being taken in, yeah. he soared to the heights. Of being an amazing, like I, I mean, he, oh, you know, he's, he's so in. A, he, he's he's a good, he's, he's a good, good actor. He's a, he is a good working actor, but yeah. in particular, this moment, like, I think it's so awesome, and I love every second of it. And he, you know what, Christina, this might go back to the start of our conversation. That's dude camp, camp, right is there camp. is seeing another dude dressed down, another dude in very in a very eloquent yet incredibly passionate way. So eloquent that he he burst his damn intestine. Well, because he's also expressing himself via his knowledge of the law. 
that this can happen in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi. Oh, man. I, so it's really the accent. My God. And it's like, of course, you needed to have the accent. But there's something about it that automatically just makes this like, um, it's like, oh, my God, we're like in the, we're when the, it's midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And everything is just like, you know, foggy and swampy and, and, oh, yeah. and, and bad. It's like gothic. The, the like birthday that. boys did a sketch once about a southern courtroom where everybody was just coated in sweat. Yeah. And all they're talking about is like, why is it that in southern courtrooms there are no air conditioners? <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, I'm about to pass out. I did not have a large lunch. <laughs> it's fans or nothing. Yeah, it's that's just <laughs> how a, that's just how a southern courtroom works, is we and three-piece linen suits. Yeah, yes. well, I mean, that's the thing about Bruce McGill. He comes in kind of, he's kind of schlubby. He doesn't have the best suit in the world. He's got the, he's sweaty already the second he enters that building. And you're like, <laughs> this guy's a good lawyer. I can feel it. <laughs> he does kind of look like like a modern interpretation of Colonel Sanders. Like if they were like, we're going to update, like, you know, this isn't your daddy's Colonel Sanders. We're going <laughs> to uh-uh. get out of here. He's wearing a rumpled suit. He doesn't have like a crazy white wig or whatever, but no. he still has that goatee, baby. But he, you know what? Like the Colonel, he has integrity. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Who Maybe. knows? Maybe. Who's to yeah. say? Hey, you know what? In David Thomas film. is nice. At the very least, in this moment, in this film, when that asshole big tobacco lawyer, probably from Washington, D.C., has that smirk on his face, probably he gets went to Baird. He gets told, yo. Good callback. That's a good callback, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he went to Baird. He went to Baird. Which the... the school incentive of a woman that Al Pacino has to dress <laughs> down. You're absolutely right. He was no scholarship student like Chris O'Donnell. Oh, no, no, th- he, no, thank you. He was, he was going to the, the Slimy Toad or whatever the name of that. He uh, was so. going on that ski trip with young <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they were doing bad things together. Oh, yeah. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> They 100%, like like we said, we got to make this. Everyone in that movie who was against Chris O'Donnell started the Iraq War. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> in, like in every, 20 years. Every, every Baird alumnus was mm-hmm. 100% at one point worked for Bill Crystal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. They, are, they were columnists for the National Review. No yeah, question like, about be, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The current editor-in-chief of the Weekly Standard is yes. fucking... Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Christina, who is your Jen Kazale? I'm sticking with Gina Gershon. Excellent. She should have been in the movie more. I totally believe that she was like a ruthless corporate lawyer. Because, you know, sometimes people get, I mean, Chris Hemsworth is a hunky hacker. Like, don't buy it. (laughs) But like, I believe Gina Gershon, like, you know, went to Georgetown, kicked all those guys' asses, like clawed her way up, working for Les Moonves at CBS, and like got to head of their legal i buy he's it. probably grabby while she was doing it and she probably and she dressed him down yeah just like she dressed them all down yeah. i oh, loved man. her i thought she was great she really held her own she also to me she has like the scariest part in the movie they're like they're the scary the, yeah like, the scariest her part. entrance is scary like when she comes into that boardroom you're like oh mm-hmm. this could this could be trouble for yeah. al and yeah jeffrey oh, totally. wygant when, when, when she says like what was it like yeah it's like we're, uh, cbs we're all family like i get like a shiver yeah like, like that to me is <laughs> like oh god yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, this this means somebody's getting fired or yeah. something. Like this, is, this is like a, that's, like a, that's a cursed phrase. Whenever someone like refers to a, a huge na- faceless corporation as, exactly a family, as a family, yeah, bad, like, no, bad no, no. news. Excellent choice. 
I, I like that one a lot. Uh, big ups. I think we had to do this last time. Uh, Christopher Plummer is great in the insider, even though he didn't I win know, one this time. Yeah. And I don't think he won last time. I think we're all like a little like, oh, it's just kind of obvious he's so good. But um, he's just so good in everything. Yeah. yeah. I saw he, him in his one man play like right when I moved to LA. And it oh, was cool. astounding. And his stamina. I mean, like, you know, I think being on stage by yourself for like two and a half plus hours, like it was amazing. He was, yeah. he had such presence. I'm envious. And also That's he's good. The captain, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot he has going for him. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 he's an incredible actor. I mean, <laughs> I think I've, I've vouched for it before, but um, silent partner, Canadian thriller in which he Ooh. plays a uh, absolute ruthless psycho. <laughs> who is going up against our hero Elliot Gould? It's oh my god, great! A... <laughs> and it's a Christmas yeah. movie, so check it out. <laughs> He's so good in Beginners. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, I mean, yeah. yeah if because he, he didn't, yeah. He's, he's just a wonderful actor. Truly. Um. So let's get down to it. I, I, I can smell. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of mystery in the air for this oh. final vote. So, um, Patrick, let's start with you. Oh, it's so hard. It's a toughie. These are both. This really is to go to the final four to play Serpico. Uh, it's so hard because, like, here, look. Okay, so let's let's look at the facts, right? You got Scarface. <laughs> Scarface is like it has. It's definitely like a problematic fave, and I get that. And I know that I'm wrong for liking. Al- I'm wrong. I know I'm in the wrong spiritually, <laughs> but like, I there's something about Patrick's, like, <laughs> Patrick's melting again. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> But, uh, but like, oh man, like, but like, he has like this, I don't think anyone can like, uh, like his facial expressions are so incredible. I don't think, cause like one thing I didn't talk about too is like when he, no one plays drunk like Pacino or like coked up or drugged up. Like he's so good at like playing those in ways, even if they don't make like sense uh they uh it's like very enthralling and enticing and it's um and he's like yeah he's like consistently uh entertaining it is kind of like the origin of who uh it's a big it's a big like scarface is a big part of pacino's uh oeuvre like you can't deny it like it it has an imp it's impacted the it's big uh but then uh the insider the other thing though is like uh i love the insider because it's like a movie uh, that shows uh, Pacino's range in a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. You see someone who's like incredibly, uh, rest- like you see him incredibly restrained. Uh, and then when his like performance crescendos, it's like some of my favorite moments watching movies during this entire like uh, podcast. Like I really when things like really like heat up because like because uh, there are there are lulls in the insider a little bit because it's a long two hours and 37 minutes and there are like some moments where i'm like uh you know kind of like wish this would go a little quicker but then like you get to like the the uh the subplot involving uh uh cbs and you're like oh man this is good um man Okay, I'm gonna give it to it's tough. Yeah, because like Scarface is the lead, the insider it's a co-lead, but the insider he is also like doing like I I truly think he, sh- he shows more range 
Oh, I don't know. It's really hard. Uh, I gotta say, this is my favorite part of all 40 of our episodes of the Academy Academy is watching Patrick slowly break down through the map of his head on on these final votes every episode. It is so endearing, man. I love doing podcasts for you. No, it's no, you don't have to do a podcast. It's wonderful because you care, man. Like, you can all see it. It's really like, because they're both good. Uh, Okay, you know what? Like, I'm gonna go with like my, here's the thing. Like, I didn't have like a a reaction to Scarface, like a huge reaction to Scarface this time. There was no moment when I watched Scarface where I was like, uh, whoa, like I kind of like had seen everything. Like the first time I watched it, it's like, like, you know, it's jaw- jarring. But when you see it a second time, it's still great. Like I still like what I love about that movie, but um, it doesn't hit as hard just because, you know, you you know what's happening. But The Insider, uh, for some reason, the second time around, like, the parts that really hit hit harder for me so i'm gonna go with the insider which is kind of crazy i know that's like kind of like a out of left but like man um i think it's like it's like i had a drama teacher in 10th grade that was like only swear like once because then it'll mean like and that's bullshit well who gives a fuck i don't care but like uh like you know it's like kind of like that thing where it's like he he explodes that one time and i really i don't know it just it really worked for me this time around i really like the insider i'm going with the insider um like Patrick, the first time around on Scarface in round one, um, despite the troublesome aspects, I was really like beyond engaged with the theatri- the over-the-top theatrical nature mm-hmm. of everything he does in the movie. I think it's like three hours <laughs> just like unfil- unfiltered and he's at it the entire time there's no moment where he's like sits back he's just like i gotta think about you know like in a michael take a breath there's no moment like in a michael mann movie where he has to go look out at the ocean quietly and think (laughs) about things (laughs) um he's on the entire time and there's something very like only in like a wonderful like nicholas cage performance do you get that level of like man this is just it he was like this for weeks on end and it just never like it's cool man it's awesome the only only other performance i can think of is like james cagney in white heat which i saw recently yeah because it it is almost like a throwback to that style of like edward g robinson james cagney paul muni i'm just having just watched it like those guys are doing big oh kind of caricature performances the entire way I know there's because they're all movie stars, man. They're watchable. Yeah, they're, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, they're like there's a reason. Like, you know, Public Enemy is like 90 years old, and uh. it's still really good. Um, but you know, over the course, of, and I, I've come, I freely admit, like coming into this, I was going to vote for Scarface, like without a doubt. <laughs> but after this conversation and just kind of going through the nuance and kind of thinking about, I mean, I know our show is like a little tongue-in-cheek yeah. with how our like intro about we're going to give an expert like thing on these performances and that kind of thing but yeah. we are trying to like do our best at like figuring this out and i think that wall scarface is like an all-encompassing three hours 
out of 10 mega performance. He's showing all aspects of what he can do as an actor in the insider. Um, and maybe because, and I think Scarface, you know, Scarface is like a blowhard at a party. They fill up the entire room and you're just like, geez, I can't, I'd love to talk to this interesting like wallflower, but um, <laughs> this, this asshole is like, you know, like causing a scene the entire way through. And they're, they're, they are entertaining. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I can't take my eyes off of them. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, geez, it's like eating an f- entire bag of Doritos in one sitting. You're not feeling too good <laughs> by the time it's over. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I think Lowell Bergman is a more complete human being <laughs> compared to Tony Montana. But Tony Montana... <laughs> is an amazing like movie character like only in a movie could someone this insane exactly. exist it, it doesn't it, it, yeah tony montana that's like yeah it but i think i think everyone's made some really wonderful points and i um i frankly have been surprisingly swayed and i'm going to vote for the insider wow wow despite the fact I would rather watch Scarface. <laughs> That's totally fair. I, think, I think the thing too is like, uh, I feel like Scarface in some ways, I feel like Brian De Palma is almost like a, uh, he almost like directs films the way that like master craftsmen create furniture. Like dudes that used to make like furniture for like Swiss, like for Habsburgs in the 1700s. But you can't, but you can't, they're not comfortable to sit in. Uh, I think they can be very comfortable, but it's like, okay. it's like they're very intricate, but it's also like, I think like there's like, sometimes with Brian De Palma, uh, it just feels like everything's almost like on a rail or like, it's almost like very like, uh, uh, it just feels like sometimes like the actors are almost like less important than the actual creation itself if that makes sense yeah. it's like it's like, it's like yeah. why it's like why that that basketball scene has like 30 people playing basketball iconic it's where that, is the ad in that scene of like we can use less probably kicking <laughs> off a coked up Oliver stone yeah, <laughs> no, but they, like, yeah. i think they, and i think that's very very interesting to people who are like want to make films yeah no and i like like and i that's why i think he's kind of an almost inside baseball kind of favorite where it's Mm -hmm. like people who want to make films are so fascinated with his like his flash and his moves and stuff like that but at the same time it's like at the end of the day like and i love them don't get me wrong they're all kind of like i mean this is this is really reductive yeah that they are all sleazy hitchcock ripoffs yeah, that's super. Yeah, no, but yeah, and he's, but he's like, but it's, it's good. And they're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Christy. Yeah. But I think to your point, though, about like taste, like, I, on the one hand, I totally hear what you're saying, right? Like, it's the same reason why, like, there are lots of people who, like, love John Waters and, like, hate John Waters, right? Yeah. Like, they're mm. making a point with their aesthetic. But I don't know. There's something about what Patrick is saying of, like, and, and you got, you're saying of like, there's like the craft aspect and then there's the like total disregard for like the actor aspect, which is like, that's bad directing. <laughs> like maybe you could say uh, like armchair quarterback that like that is a choice, but like 
the whole point of directing is like being able to like have a grasp on like every aspect of like what is in the frame and that includes the actors and that's like a that's a big mm-hmm. part of it i mean I think and he I- he's he's drunk on and i think being a visual storyteller is what makes what separates great directors from good directors um but within the visual story i think michael mann is a really great visual storyteller too but I think that there is the performances, I think, all around in Michael Mann's movies. I, I hate to compare them because I love them both, but um, yeah. I think uh, Mann gets, I think he understands kind of the operatic emotion that he's trying to capture mm-hmm. a little bit more, and he puts his actors in a good position to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Christina, why don't you uh, give us your final thoughts? I mean, yeah, I don't think my vote is going to be surprising. I think that, like, from a purely also just audience standpoint, uh, watching Al Pacino and Scarface was like exhausting. I was totally depleted after I saw that movie. But with The Insider, and it's like not a perfect movie, I don't think, but there was so much about his performance that made me like lean in, you know, and made me feel excited to see where the story was going. And because he was coming in at all different levels and like being restrained and saving his like Al Pacino-ness for when it really like was necessary, I think that shows, I don't know, it almost feels unfair to like compare a performance that's so early in his career versus so late in his career, but like, and, and they are such different movies, but like, I don't know. I think he just like does way more in the insider. He just shows more of his range, like everything that you guys have been saying. So my vote is insider. Yeah. I think uh, at the end of the day, it's what he's just a more three-dimensional mm-hmm. uh, performance in the insider, uh, regardless of screen time or like power and energy. Mm-hmm. So insider three, nothing over Scarface. I don't think I thought, I think that's a bit of a surprise. I'm surprised. Um, it is. I'm surprised by how you guys voted. The um, yeah. and I dog. think we're we're looking at two underdogs versus two mega favorites yeah. in this final four. I mean, Dog Day Afternoon Serpico. I think nobody would have. I think that those are pretty obvious final four mm-hmm. contenders. But the Insider and Donnie Brasco making it to the final four. Um, yeah, that's big. you know, can Lefty and Lowell. Take down Sonny and Frank. I don't know. Old versus new. Old Lumet, versus new. Lumet versus not Lumet. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, wow. So that was um, Insider versus Scarface. Uh, this week's game, yeah, very fun one. We're very excited about is um, alternative history <laughs> or alternative universe. Alternative universe. Let's go with that. Um, Al Pacino has had many great parts we know we've been covering him for weeks we love it he comes from a group of contemporaries including meryl streep robert de niro Mm -hmm. dustin hoffman jack nicholson down the line ellen burston many many terrific actors Mm -hmm. uh some would say a pretty golden era of acting so al pacino did not get all the parts nor did his contemporaries get his parts weirdly enough um what our game today is let's pick one of his contemporaries roles that you think al really would have shined in 
and vice versa, a part that Al played that perhaps one of his contemporaries could have done a great job doing. And uh, Patrick, do you want to start? Yes, I do. Uh, man, I'm trying to think of like, great. There are a lot of good choices here. There's a lot of fun actors. Uh, this is a wild one. And I don't even know if it works, but I would love to see it. It would be super interesting to see a version of Fat City where Al Pacino is in the Stacy Keach role. Interesting. Interesting. That would be like such a, it would be such a different role. But I like the idea of like Al Pacino doing like, I want to see like an out of shape, like schlubby, like, down on his luck Pacino like a dead end like a really like almost like it's like 10 years after Scarecrow like you know what I mean just like that level of like oh man he gets out of the hospital and he's living in Stockton California training Jeff Bridges oh god yeah that'd be so wild that'd be such what a weird dynamic that would be Jeff the young Jeff I'd love to I'd love to see the two of them together oh same it'd be really cool (laughs) very different energy hugely um also uh here's a stupid one uh i think it'd be fun in like in the bill murray part in space jam (laughs) (laughs) incredible just just like uh him like uh in a golf cart with larry bird that's so much fun give let them hang out uh i want to see that movie just larry bird and al pacino in a golf cart you've picked two films that um (laughs) would highlight the fact that al pacino is a tiny man playing <laughs> playing either boxing or prof- or basketball with oh, professionals. <laughs> oh, so good. It'd be so I mean good. his his uh, short guy power is unmatched. Yeah. But <laughs> he, like remain, he remains a short guy. Yeah, he'd be like a welterweight. Yeah. He'd figure it out. Um, yeah, they, it's movie yeah. magic. He'll be a tiny weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can use tiny like, weight. Yeah. He can create use... a new division in boxing, tiny <laughs> weight. <laughs> tiny weight. Yeah. We'll we'll use uh, like the technology they used in Lord of the Rings to make him look yeah. way taller, like a Gandalf. Uh, How about dying next to a friend? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, and then like a movie, an Al Pacino movie where, uh, oh man, I feel like so many people would have a lot of fun with uh, his character and Dick Tracy. He just told me you uh, watched, watched it, for- it this very morning. Yeah. And uh, I feel like... Um, Gary Busey could probably do like a wow. good, a fun and interesting. Cause I think that's also like at a time where Gary Busey was still able to like perform and like be like 1990. Yeah. Yeah. It's right yeah. on the edge. Cause he point break was 91 and he was still yeah weird and still, coherent in that. Yeah. Still weird. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, like, yeah, pre everything pre the firm. And so I think Gary, like a Gary Busey would be, that'd be a wild, that'd be a wild, wild. I like it. I like it. Boy, you uh, took, some uh, left field actors oh, yeah. too oh, yeah. not not the usual suspects i think i'm i'm gonna be heading toward a few of the more usual less surprising actors yeah like who are considered his contemporaries no um the one that's just absolutely i would have loved to see al pacino play ted kramer Ooh. in kramer versus kramer i think he would have knocked it out of the park i think he would have I think he really, I think he probably was pissed 
that he didn't get Kramer's Kramer. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be like him and his hunkiest too, with like that like crazy. Oh, the same great looks that Dusty yeah. has, but you put him on Al. I mean, they both yeah. got short guy power. You don't really need to <laughs> yeah. uh, do the t- don't need to tailor too much. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, um, I mean, we saw it in Angels in America, but it would have been nice to see Al and Meryl in their younger oh, days, yeah. kind of doing some stuff together because I think that they would have been a real potent team and i was also super bummed this morning that meryl streep was not in dick tracy everyone else who like was a contemporary of warren Beatty's is in dick tracy so why not why not make meryl streep one of the weird villains with some makeup or something like that she'd be way into it um and then my pick for uh pacino swap i i alluded to it a couple episodes ago but i think um i think jack nicholson in scent of a woman would have been um mm. more i actually think he's a better choice than al pacino just in general i, I think know. that i think he i would have and it might be just few good men vibes mm. comparing the two like um military guys mm. of the era that they both played but i i like the idea of nicholson playing that part it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have helped make that movie any more coherent um but also, and Jen wanted me to give a shout out um, to a possible future version. She thought Philip Seymour Hoffman could have played Lieutenant Colonel oh. Frank Slade if they had made Scent of a Woman 20 years later. <laughs> and he could have. Yeah, he absolutely could have. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. That would be an insane. I would love to see that. That would be a wildly. Do you think that like the Joker, Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade should be a cut passing of the torch for all young actors they have to play? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, every yes. every generation gets their lieutenant colonel frank slade joaquin phoenix's slade oh yeah he'd, yeah. he'd be in for it yeah you know you're not going to be considered the best actor for your generation if you haven't played joker you haven't played a boxer mm-hmm. and you haven't played lieutenant colonel frank slade the big in sent another version another imagine if sent of a woman came out every 10 years like a joker movie <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> I want to live in that world. I want to live in that world. I want world. Cinema World Woman to inexplicably be part of like the DC cinematic universe. There's like nerds <laughs> online like, no, the Pacino version and the Hoffman version are take place in the same universe, uh, man. Clearly, <laughs> the best one is the Caesar Romero Slade. I want to see, yeah, Zack Snyder's <laughs> four-hour oh, scent of a woman yeah. with uh, Ben Affleck just depressingly trudging his way through playing <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade. Yes, he doesn't get it. It's not made for him. We know, and I'm a Ben Affleck fan. I think he, when he gets a part that works for him, he's great. But I don't think some of the stuff he does work for him. I like, I think he's awesome in Gone Girl. I watched that a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And I think he's terrific in it. But I think, um, yeah, to see him play Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade when she has to go big and do a bunch of stuff like that, I just don't think it's really in his... But it, yeah, it would be uh, great. That, that would be funny. I think uh, I will say this is probably great. Like, I think like my favorite thing about all the, I think he was actually like, I think I liked Ben Affleck, even though I, the Nolans are clearly better than the Snyders. Uh, I do like the Ben Affleck Batman, I think a little more. Than really? The, really? I'm really interesting. And my, my only take, my only reason is that like, I think he does a good job of being like a, uh, he does the monotone in a way that's not like annoying or like silly i feel like i like christopher nolan as batman but sometimes it's, it's i think batman. i think affleck's a good bruce wayne oh totally it's like a kind of washed up bruce wayne 
Yeah, like, that's the he brings a that, little like, like like Dark Knight. What's the Frank Miller one? Oh yeah, Dark Knight Returns. The, yeah, which is I think they're alluding to a hundred percent. And like and, and I just and also he has the uh, he's like the one Batman actor who's had the the right chin. <laughs> he has like that like lantern like yeah you he can't discount the, the chin yeah can't it's like he got, that, he got that square jaw baby it's i like, know it's, jay leno's sitting at home right now upset that he never got to play batman he, he missed he missed out baby there's not that would have been i am not seeing this i i just can't take ben affleck seriously that's totally fair yeah <laughs> i mean I, I i like him i do i just don't think he's i don't think i think that he kind of has been like like a square peg yeah. In a lot of parts, like they think, because he's got a, like a look that, like, oh, you should be like saving the world in Armageddon or something like that. that. He's got I this... mean, that was good casting. That but made I, sense to me. But I don't think he's like. I think he. I think like because like I don't know if you saw the the way back was really good and he was really good in it. The mm-hmm. basketball movie where he was the drunk coach, mm-hmm. and I think playing with his persona of being of the like You're like gone girl f- yeah like the yeah. frat boy gone to seed kind of like he's got a little extra in the midsection he yeah. hates living in the suburbs he probably drinks too much like i think all like like the what was the, the triple nine the netflix movie that he was in where mm. he was like he was like i thought he was really good in that because yeah. he was like this like ex like kick-ass like military guy who now likes is a bad real estate agent and he's like dying to get back in the mix. And he's so like kind of pathetic and like, he's a drunk in that one too. And it's just like, I like him in those kind of parts. I don't really think like, but it's he, another guy like De Palma almost, he can't get out of his own way. Like he'll take two steps forward of like, Oh, you're on the right path. And then it's like, Oh, I don't know if that's the right move at all, bro. (laughs) And it's, it's very human. He must have a lot of really goodwill around town because for everything that he's been through, like other people have been passed up for less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And for, I guess maybe for the same reasons that I can't take him seriously, maybe he has like a lot of built-in empathy with people. I don't know. He's, I just um, have a, I can't, I, I don't see yeah. it. I he's, just don't think he's like a great actor. Like I think he's, He's li- he's not he's 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 limited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think he's so sweet in the dazed and confused oral history book that I read this past summer too. Like all of them though, like there's such a beauty to it. Like I can't recommend that book more by the way, but um definitely want to read that. There, there's like a sweetness to it cuz all of them like no matter how big a stars they became or didn't become, mm-hmm. like they all look back on that summer as being like that is nice. The best. Yeah. And they were young. They were so young and there's so yeah. much like romance drama and like Whoa. everything you'd expect. Like, yeah. Just like being, and, and they all thought it was their big break. And like, they all talk about too, like this beautiful thing of like, we all get, got so close to Link later. The, like the guys yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, we're going to be his guy. We're going to be a surrogate. And then like, they're like, and then he met Ethan Hawke in the next movie. And it was like, none of us. It was none of us got it. And they were just like, you just goes to show because we all like we we're so excited. We thought he was so good. Like, we're gonna be his De Niro to his Scorsese. And we're gonna like go on this journey and imagine our heartbreak when he meets Ethan Hawke. And that's the guy he wants to do kind of do the surrogate stuff mm-hmm. throughout it all. Um but Christina, what are your um, alternate 
universe. Okay. (laughs) So off the cuff, right when you said this, I had a vision of Al Pacino playing the Christopher Walken character in Pulp Fiction, the like the dad. That's good. Just doing the monologue. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be really interesting. Um, I like that. I don't know what, I don't know why, but I just feel like that it would have been, I think it, I think it would have been a much more menacing scene or I don't know, maybe it would have been really tender, but that interests me a lot. And then uh, it's not exactly contemporary, but I was thinking about like, the thing about him in Devil's Advocate is that it's like, it's so obvious that he's the bad guy. Yeah, I know. And I <laughs> wonder what it would have been like if like Paul Newman played his character in The Devil's Advocate. I feel oh, like that could have been really interesting. That's cool. And like such a turn, right? When <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh fuck, he's the bad guy. That's cool. I like that a lot. Plus it would really like Paul Newman, so. Oh yeah. I mean, hard not to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he would have been so interesting because he, he's got such a like devilish wit and like because he's but he always plays it to be kind of like anti a rascal yeah kind of style when he's doing it but if he was genuinely like no i'm the devil i'm bad (laughs) right because that's the thing like when i I, every time i see the movie i'm like keanu wake up like al pacino's the bad guy oh there's so much it would have been keanu's performance in that (laughs) oh my god i mean i love him too. i love him it i think it would have been such a more interesting turn for him to go through the journey of like I think I'm doing the right thing I think I'm doing the right thing I think this guy's a good guy and then oh fuck he's not the right guy you know I don't know I I think that could have been cool yeah I mean yes (laughs) that's that that. we're gonna do a commentary episode on the devil's advocate soon enough but uh we because we got it lost in its first round matchup against Donnie Brasco probably rightfully so but Boy, what a what, it's really good. What a picture. The only thing I wanted. And then just from, imagining like an older Paul Newman with like Charlize Theron. Like all those scenes yeah. would have been so like electric in a in a different way. This was this goes back to another pitch though. We thought Brian De Palma should have directed Devil's Advocate. Mm. Because he, he just would have taken it to really where it needed to go <laughs> just all the way over the top yeah like that that other paul verhoven another yeah just like yeah. real because because i think the, the thing about devil's advocate it's um we talk, talked about this a lot but um it wants to have it both ways it wants to be like yeah. a, a firm-esque like young lawyer movie and also be a really like deliciously trashy exploitation movie with like tons of sex violence and nudity and you know pick a side (laughs) (laughs) and i think my side is go with the trash like make it yeah make it trashier like more delroy lindo but we talked about it before like because the most interesting character in the movie is Charlie's throne's character and kind of what she's going through but that's rosemary's baby essentially right like and so you want to like avoid getting too close to that because it's already been done and all that kind of thing it, but it it doesn't matter. It's it's imminently watchable. It's another Al Pacino yeah. movie that's like shockingly two and a half hours long. <laughs> well, so yeah, long. My God, <laughs> the run times of both movies. I was like, I'm gonna have to break this up. Yeah, they are. Um, he he's not. He might be short in stature, but not in length of picture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I I think um, I wish Paul Newman was around to, I know. Play, to do that. I mean, I mean, I wish he was around. Wish he was around just in general, but. Um, 
you know, one of the absolute greats, true, true movie star. Um, But wow. Thank you again, Christina, for um, dropping in and hanging with us, watching more long movies with us. Um, Your insights are always so (laughs) I, I'll speak for Patrick here because I think I can. It makes us feel like, oh, we're such dummies. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm like, I'm a dipshit. Yeah, I know. Just Scarface awesome. I love I wish I had that glad that you guys, you know, uh, are open to hearing the critique. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like a base... There's just like a base reaction, and then it's like, oh, let's walk that back a little bit. We got a smart person coming on to explain yeah. things for us. Um, yeah, and, and it does like save the podcast from just being like, oh, remember that part when he uses the grenade launcher? Oh, we yeah. would be, we would be <laughs> the, we would be the Chris Farley show revisited so fast. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Do, do, yeah, do you remember when? Cool. You, do, do you remember when you said, "Say hello to my my little friend." That was that was cool. That was awesome. That was was totally awesome, man. Do you remember when you really told CBS News what's up? (laughs) 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 Oh, what that? I guess he's with like Christopher Plummer. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But is there anything you'd like to plug on your way out? Um, When Players comes out on Paramount Plus in the new year, 2022, check it out. It is by the guys who did American Vandal. Uh, it's another doc- mockumentary uh, in the style of The Last Dance, but instead of it being about the championship bowls, it's about an esports team that plays League of Legends. It's going to be really funny. It's going to be good. Hell yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you again for thank coming you. on. Um, before we head out, Patrick, is there anyone or anything you'd like to thank? Oh, so many things. Uh, I'd like to thank... Uh, directors with important colors mm-hmm. uh gotta 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 gotta, gotta. Uh, i want to thank uh i want to thank uh, just uh uh i just want to uh what was uh tom wilkinson's cat what was his he's tom clayton Tom Clayton. Tom Clayton. Oh, what a bread. From oh, what a bread. Tom- there we go. What a yeah. bread. What a bread. What a bread. Michael Call back Clayton. to Michael yep. Clayton, Tom Clayton. Yep. What a bread. Oh, what a bread. Uh, I want to thank, oh, what a bread. Uh, I want to thank uh, basketball games with just illogical amounts of players. <laughs> uh, when a hundred people get together to play basketball, you know, stuff happens. You know yeah. it's lucky when me, the person who kind of doesn't care about sports, is like, this scene is all wrong. Nobody's dribbling. It's no great. Dribbling. See, now now yeah. I want to just see like uh, now I want to see Brandon Palmer direct an NBA biopic. And or just like, like what yeah. does he think basketball is? Like, well, look, you got a hoop. Al Pacino sportsman, Al Pacino dancer. We we appreciate all of them whenever he does both. We didn't even bring up him dancing with Michelle Pfeiffer uh, to yeah. no music in Scarface, which was yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. But Patrick, wanna, continue. Uh, and then I want to thank uh, uh, Robert Loge's big old piano from Big. And you know yeah. what? Big old piano. It's past your bedtime. Go to bed, you big old piano. Go to bed. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Um, I, I mean, first and foremost, and I mean, you know, and people at these award ceremonies when they thank their agents or the academy, you know, these are the big, the big ones. I want to thank the concept of the hope of one day seeing Patrick cry. Yes. Never, never. I want to be there for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, um, <laughs> never. Going off of my notes, um, I want to thank uh, 
pirate contests. I don't remember <laughs> when that came up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Shout out to my friend Josh Abel. <laughs> yeah, I, but it, was, it sounded funny at the time. <laughs> um, I want to thank the wackiest Nicolas Cage movie, Stolen. Yeah, uh, stolen. If you ever seen, stolen. If you ever seen the, uh, oh my god, look up, go on YouTube, look up the stolen, uh, the stolen trailer, and the way that the narrator pronounces stolen is the funniest. It's like worth oh, the good. movie itself. It's it's like a movie in itself. Just do yourself. It. It's a treat. Just go look at watch this person pronounce stolen in the most insane way. Possible. If we remember it, we'll post it on our Twitter feed. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. no guarantees because we've said that before and. It doesn't often happen. Um, and I got to thank just one, I mean, a big one for me, hair actors everywhere. Mm. All the, all my hair actors. So for our terrific guest, Christina Wu, for my co-host, Patrick, this has been the Academy Academy. Thank you. Oh, and so we'll see you next time for a very special episode called Weird Pacino. <laughs> we will be covering Dick Tracy. Gili with the aforementioned Ooh. Ben Affleck and the infamous Jack and Jill. Ooh. We'll see you next week. Have fun. Bye. Bye. Forget <laughs> about it. Forget about it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>